Okay, it's so quiet, I better start the meeting. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I'd like to call to order the Board of Supervisors meeting for Tuesday, December 19th. And we'll start with having our county clerk take the roll and read about public participation. Supervisor Rice? Here. Supervisor Lucan? Here. Supervisor Sackett? Here. Supervisor Radoni? Supervisor Moulton Peters? Here. If you are joining us today on Zoom and would like to participate, please use the raise hand icon located on your screen. If you are participating by landline, press star 9 to raise your hand. When it's your turn to speak, your name will be called and you will be asked to unmute your device. If you are participating by landline, you will hear that you are unmuted. That concludes the instructions and I will pass the meeting back to President Moulton Peters. Thank you and I'm going to turn it over to our county executive for a moment. Yes, good morning, supervisors. I did want to point out, and our uh, update, uh, agenda update memo includes this as well, as Supervisor Rodoni has notified the board, uh, pursuant to government code, that he needs to participate, participate in this meeting remotely due to an illness. Now, he has shared he doesn't uh, plan on attending the morning session, but would like to do the um, afternoon closed session. Uh, but because of this, uh, your board needs to do roll calls throughout the meeting uh, and to be consistent with state law. And, but otherwise, I don't anticipate he will join us this morning. Great. Thank you very much. So it gives me great pleasure to start this meeting with a tribute to Marge Macris and also the 1973 countywide plan, 50th anniversary, uh, which was really such a landmark. Uh, piece of work at this county. It's been so formative and it continues to be that way. So we're going to celebrate it today. I'm going to turn it over to our CDA director, Sarah Jones, to start us off. Thank you very much, President Moulton Peters uh, and supervisors. Uh, and thanks to everybody for being here today. Uh, my name is Sarah Jones. I'm the director of the Community Development Agency. And I'm really pleased to be starting off a special day here as we reflect on the 50th anniversary of the 1973 countywide plan. Uh, we have honored guests with us, uh, some of the OGs of planning in Marin County, uh, as well as the family of Marjorie Macris, the plan's principal author, who later went on to become this county's planning director. So a plan really isn't the sort of thing that people usually get excited about unless they are deeply nerdy. Uh, <laughs> they barely make a splash when they're approved, let alone 50 years later. But luckily for CDA, you are a board of planning nerds, just face it, uh, and you do celebrate this sort of thing. Uh, and with where we stand now, it really is fitting to look back at this plan and hear from the people who made it real over the years to take the lessons from it and recalibrate how we're facing our future in this county. So now let's go back in time. The late 1960s and the early 1970s were a time of national and international upheaval, with serious questions emerging about the systems that had evolved since World War II. In Marin, there was a growing notion that decisions about land development could cause irreversible harm to what so many residents valued about this place. If you read the extraordinary study leading to the plan, titled Can the Last Place Last?, you'll see serious reckoning about how development was being approached. I think the best known takeaway of the 1973 plan is protection of open space, and that's probably been the most realized aspect of the plan. But the legacy to really pay attention to here goes beyond that. Here is one of the very first paragraphs of the 1973 countywide plan. 
The plan expresses concerns of the people of Marin at a time when the environment is threatened, when the costs of living have risen beyond the reach of families of moderate means, when local government units acting alone are too fragmented to deal effectively with the resulting wide range of issues. I think that sounds familiar. It goes on to define a guiding course for the future, balanced growth with protected open space and dense housing in developed areas, effective transit, and economic diversity. A notable aspect of the plan is that it was very much a collaboration. At that time, there was a countywide planning organization called the City County Planning Council, which participated in creation of this plan. While that spirit and commitment of working together towards a common goal stayed when it came to open space, it got lost when it came to other aspects of the plan in the ensuing years of tax revolts, government mistrust, and backlash to social change. Let's just say that throughout this state, land use and municipal governance in the 70s and 80s were not about compromise for broader social good. The 1973 plan was incredibly forward-thinking for its time. There are many aspects of this plan that we in the Community Development Agency don't even need to dust off because we're implementing it every day. But at the same time, we can no longer minimize racial and social justice in our planning as the 1973 plan did, and as we did for so many years. Looking at the plan from the viewpoint of 2023, it's hard to fathom how little the plan has to say about Marin City and its radical rebuilding in the 1960s. And it's easy to understand how over the years, environmental protection came to eclipse the needs of Marin's lowest income residents for adequate and safe housing. We have to recognize this part of our legacy too and commit to its change. So in conclusion, the 1973 countywide plan came from a spirit of stewardship and that spirit lives on. By recognizing the importance of this plan, we recommit ourselves to its notions of balance, interrelated systems, and genuine collaboration that culminated in really a remarkable document. In doing so, we better equip ourselves to tackle our climate, affordability, and equity challenges as we look ahead. Now I'm gonna hand this off to Heather Powell of the Marin History Museum, and then we'll turn this over to your board and to the people who have joined us who were in this room when it happened. Thank you, and welcome, Heather. Good morning. First slide, please. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Heather. I'm one of the curators at the Marin History Museum. And the museum is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Marin Countywide Plan with an exhibit at the Boyd Gatehouse in downtown San Rafael that opened in August and will run through February 24th. The exhibit looks back over the last several decades to explore how county planning efforts as well as grassroots and community participation shaped the county that we know today. This is the cornerstone ceremony at the Hall of Justice in 1966. Our signature image of the exhibit, and we chose it because it seems to capture um, a spirit of um, optimism and forward thinking that was present in Marin in the 1960s. Next slide, please. This image from the exhibit is taken from a marvelous Marin real estate brochure from 1955, just before the Richmond San Rafael Bridge was completed and it shows the zeal to develop the county. It describes Marin as a county that has experienced rapid growth and expansion since the opening of the Golden Gate Bridge. A county with, quote, solid, well-to-do citizens living in fine homes surrounded by a veritable vacation land. 
It anticipates further growth and development as the new bridge opens and provides access to many more thousands from around the Bay Area who are looking for more breathing room and gracious living. Next slide, please. These two items from the exhibit represent the two possible futures that Marin County planners had to choose between in the early 1970s. The Whole Earth Catalog, published between 1968 and 1972, reflected an ethic of self-sufficiency and influenced the back-to-land generation. In contrast, another vision of the future predicted urban sprawl replacing agriculture, tourists overrunning communities, and open space being lost to development. Next. The 1973 plan called for policies that discouraged rapid or destructive growth while encouraging social and economic diversity and sought to balance access to adequate housing, jobs, shopping, transportation, and open space for Marin residents. And here's a map prepared by the Marin Planning Department in 1973 for the Marin Countywide <coughs> Plan with the three designated, designated corridors, <coughs> the Coastal Recreation Corridor, the Inland Rural Corridor, and the City Centered Corridor. Trends in population growth led county planners to project that without any limits to growth, the county population may have reached 800,000 people. Instead, controls on growth have limited the population. This graph invites our visitors to imagine what life in Marin would be like with triple the population. And throughout our exhibit, we evoke the 1970s uh, through photographs from our collection and from collections throughout Marin. These two are uh, part of our community life collage, and they're both courtesy of the Antique Kent California Room. On the left is a girl roller skating by photographer Linda Yates, and on the right, an overview of the Marin County Fair from about 1970. And these two images are from our open space collage. Um, that's Joe Breeze on the left. Uh, Marin's own mountain biking inventor um, on Mount Tam with some fellow bicyclists. And then on the right there, that's uh, trails going up the North Ridge Open Space Preserve. And the exhibit also touches upon the topics of transportation, neighborhood character, and doing business in Marin in the 60s and 70s. So on the left there is the opening of the Northgate Shopping Center in 1965. And then we have a bus um, from the Golden Gate, from, uh, Golden Gate Transit uh, stopping at the Marin City Flea Market. And we have a housing development in Novato. And not to be missed is our side story about um, Marincello, the Marin City that never was. We obtained a wonderful newsreel that we show in one of our galleries. Um, of a very triumphant moment for Marin, for Marin conservationists when the land that was proposed for this ready-made city was finally purchased by the Nature Conservancy in 1972. And um, in the clip, um, Senator Peter Baer um, has a great quote that sums it all up really nicely. He says, when enough people care enough and fight long enough, the right thing will happen. So it's a very interesting exhibit, and I hope everybody here comes to see it. And um, now I'd like to pass it off to Jennifer McGeorge-Rising, who is our Boyd House Manager, and she's going to tell you about a little uh, very special visit that she had at the Boyd. Welcome, Jennifer. Hello, I'm honored. Um, as she's mentioned, I'm Jennifer McGeorge-Rising. I am the um, Boyd 
house manager. I get to welcome guests into the Boyd along with um, those of us here also who uh, work in the museum and I'm always honored to have people visit. On September 9th, we had a family walk in the door and um, one was in a wheelchair and uh, as always I ask our visitors what brings you in today and one of the family members said, well, our mother here was one of the authors uh, of the 1973 countywide plan. And right away I knew I had a special visitor. <laughs> and I said, I grabbed our copy of the 1973 countywide plan and I said, what do you mean this one? And Marjorie, who was in the wheelchair said, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> And we went on to have an amazing visit. They visited every room. We have three rooms, but often people will breeze through and breeze out. And they spent quite a deal of time in each room looking at every panel. And I quickly texted my coworkers and I said, we have a very special guest today. Uh, and we all got very excited because we are history geeks. And they said, well, ask if you could get her picture. And then they said, we need to get her to autograph the book. So if we could have the next slide, please. Here is her visit. And she cradled <laughs> that book with her the entire visit. She held that book with her and, and then sat at the desk in our library and read through it. And then I got her to sign it. And I just can't express how excited we were to have you all and Marjorie in the museum that day. Um, it really did feel like having a celebrity with us. So thank you very much for coming to visit and uh, thank you for having us today. Wonderful, thanks for adding that story. So now I'm gonna invite our invited guests to come up and uh, tell us, share some of your stories with Marge and the countywide plan and then we'll go ahead and hear from the family and then we'll read the resolution, so. I don't know if we have an order we want to go in or if you just want to come up to the microphone and uh, share your stories. I, hear, I have Don Dickinson as number one. County <laughs> Planning Commissioner uh, and a longtime friend of Marge Macris. Um, and today I wanted to talk about a little bit of more details about the countywide plan itself, as well as uh, Marge's involvement with various planning issues over the years. Um, it kind of all started with Can the Last Place Last, a document that was prepared in 1971 by the county planning department uh, as staff support for the city county planning agency. And what that document did is using the Ian McCard Design with Nature um, approach from 1969, I think is when his book was, looked at the future and how development can respect uh, environmental values. And it painted, the document painted a picture that, uh, oh, and part of that process, which was an important part to Marge, was developing a true countywide plan not what we have today, which is what I call a Swiss cheese plan covering the area surrounding the cities. And as part of that effort, there was a city county planning agency set up with um, elected council members from every city and planning commissioners from every city and then an advisory committee 
um, that worked on this document, the en Environmental Quality uh, Subcommittee, and two of the members, Priscilla Bull and John Hart, are here today. Uh, and in looking through it the other day, I also noticed that Supervisor Rice's mother is listed as a member of that uh, as a member of that subcommittee. I was involved with the housing subcommittee of that plan. The the vision that was painted that the people um, were shocked by is that ABAG projections were that by 1990, which is over 30 years ago the county would have had 450,000 people. And in most of the Bay Area, that projected growth did occur. Marin really, uh, Marin and I think Napa were the two exceptions to the growth that had been projected. And what that meant, and it was all um, detailed in the document, was that the Golden Gate Bridge would have to have been 16 to 20 lanes wide that in San Rafael, uh, Highway 101 would have been 12 to 16 lanes wide. At the county line would be 8 to 12, and we're in the process of widening it to 6 right now. Uh, Sir Francis Drake would have been 8 to 14 lanes. Atherton Avenue would have been 6 to 10 lanes, depending on the level of service. Freitas Parkway would have been 8 to 10 lanes, and Shoreline Highway, the proposed highway from the Golden Gate Bridge to Point Reyes would have been 8 to 14 lanes. And that freaked people out. It also had population projections for every city. For instance, um, Novato would have grown from what in 1970 was 33,000 when I was growing up there to 178,000 people, a five-fold increase in population. Uh, which was by far the biggest increase anywhere. The, through that process, the cities all bought into the countywide plan policies. And while the county legally only has jurisdiction over the unincorporated area, the, the cities incorporated those concepts, uh, and basic concepts were protecting the community separators or ridge lines between communities, so Marin didn't develop into another uh, peninsula kind of situation where you couldn't tell when you're in one city or another. Uh, low density zoning um, in all of the uh, central part of Marin. Um, and contrary to what some people think, the um, zoning was also significantly reduced in East Marin. So a lot of the ridgeline parcels were down zoned. Uh, for instance, a Martha property, Eastern Point, uh, used to allow 300 units. It was down zoned through a stipulated judgment as a result of a lawsuit with the property owners to allow 43. Um, and that is typical of what happened in East Marin. The, the development potential was significantly reduced. In Novato, the planning area was pulled in from uh, Petaluma, um, Petaluma, a Point Reyes Road, Hicks Valley into um, Mount Burdell and, um, and Little Mountain. Nevada would have extended all the way up to, to the county line uh, under those old plans. The cities incorporated those compact growth, um, open space preservation policies in their own, in their own city plans. Nevada did, I was involved with that process. Um, Marge was instrumental in writing the document and then writing the plan that came as a result of that. 
I first really met Marge in a rainy day in December 49 years ago when I was interviewed for a job with the county planning department. And in spite of the fact that Mark Riesenfeld always told me that Marge preferred to hire a woman, I was hired, and that kind of changed my life. I spent a lot of time with Marge over the ensuing years. Our desks were right next to each other. She was not good at graphics or printing, so I did the maps for all of her rezonings. And some of those actually resulted in uh, actually death threats against her. And these were, she did primarily the ones in East Marin, the Ridge and Upland Greenbelt rezonings. Uh, I specifically remember a case in San, unincorporated San Anselmo and another one up in Marinwood where the people actually threatened her. Um, she had some kind of a, some kind of um, drawing on the wall about the, the threats against her for rezoning. But she um, always uh, stood fast in her, in her thinking and developed, I think, a lot of confidence over the years. Um, she carried her feeling about the importance of interjurisdictional planning through her involvement as a county planning director. She, um, uh, during the drought of 1978, she set up a residential development review board in the Richardson Bay communities as a model to rather than just let the water district issue uh, water connections first come first serve, to do create a beauty contest. So all the cities, four cities in Southern Marin and the county uh, met jointly and decided which projects best satisfied the policies of their um, uh, respective community. Um, and that was seen as a model. Um, the drought ended and it, it never went any, any, any farther than that. Um, over the years, uh, actually Marge and I left the county planning department on the same day in 1984, in May of 1984, for her to go to Berkeley and me to go to Mill Valley. Um, but over the years, she remained uh, involved in, in community activities, particularly environmental protection um, uh, endeavors. Uh, she was a member of the Marin Conservation League board. She was a member of the Sierra Club Executive Committee. She was a member of Baylands Advocates, um, all focusing on preserving um, the environmental quality that was um, described in, in the document. Uh, and actually later, she and I were both involved in a lawsuit against the county with the Save Our Countywide Plan Committee, um, opposing a large, um, very large uh, industrial office project in Lucas Valley. She was involved with the group called CAP, Citizen Advocates for the Preservation of Silvera St. Vincent's. Um, she was a strong advocate for the uh, Baylands Corridor, which was first recognized in, in terms of its importance in the, in the Canton Last Place uh, last document. She was a strong uh, advocate of uh, stream preservation areas, which later became the, uh, the SCA concept. Um, she was just a very good friend over the years, in spite of the fact that she repeatedly accused me of trying to drown her during a planning department a canoe trip on the Russian River <laughs> a, a long time ago. But anyway, uh, Marin is much the way it is today because of the efforts of Marge. Great. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Don. I'd like to invite Bill Long 
for planning commissioner for the 1973 plan. Good morning, supervisors. Uh, yes, it's true. Uh, I was uh, on the uh, planning commission. In fact, I was chair of the planning commission in 1973 when this plan we're uh, celebrating today was adopted. Uh, it's a bold plan. We knew it was a bold plan then. We were also threatened, like we've heard that Marge was, um, by property owners who resented any planning, any limitations on their development potential. Most plans at that time were very relatively simple. They focused on where to put residential units, where to put industrial units, commercial units, where to put the roads and the public facilities, and that was about it. So to have a plan that addressed the environmental values of an area and to focus on preserving those was indeed bold and uh, resented in a lot of quarters. <clears throat> uh, but it didn't come out of a vacuum. Uh, there was a growing awareness nationwide of uh, the importance of environmental preservation. Uh, the plan reflected that concern on the local level. You remember, uh, those of you who were around um, and paying attention, at that time that uh, A60 was adopted, and that was bold, and that was threatened by people who owned property and were impacted. That's uh, the uh, time when the EPA was formed, the federal EPA and then the state EPA. Um, Earth Day was, the first Earth Day was in 1970. And uh, personal note, I represented Chevron at an event for Earth Day. I was not well received. <laughs> and they didn't invite me back the next year. But I did the duty. Anyway, uh, it was my honor to be involved with this plan in a small way. Most of the work had been done previously by the City County Planning Council and the County Planning Department. But there was still a lot of polishing and finishing up and, and consolidation. It was quite a rambling document. Uh, even when we were finished, it was somewhat loosely joined. But uh, it was going slowly. And there were letters to the editor, and there was even an IJ editorial. I remember the title was something like, Where is the Countywide Plan? Because it had taken months and months and months of fine-tuning and editing uh, and still wasn't out. And then we got to a point where um, somebody raised CEQA. This document has got to go through CEQA. It's a public document, it's a public project. Uh, this is, we didn't know what that meant. Uh, CEQA was kind of new from the point of view of applying it to private projects. Uh, it, it could have added, we didn't know how long. So there was a feeling of frustration and disappointment. Marge was bold. Marge took the position that, hey, this plan is all good for the environment. We don't need an EIR. We don't need to go through CEQA. Let's uh, file a negative declaration. There was no objection to that. These property owners that had come and gone, they weren't there. Nobody was there. 
I don't remember the Conservation League raising any question. It sailed through. And it went on to the Board of Supervisors who adopted it pretty promptly. Well, subsequent updates of the countywide plan haven't had it so easy with CEQA. <laughs> uh, it's a significant part of that whole process now. But Marge was bold, took the position that I just described, and we all thought that's fine. Well, I don't think you'd get away with that these days. Anyway, we're gra very grateful for her for the work she did and for moving it out the door and not letting us chew on it any longer. So it was a great experience. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Our next speaker is Nona Dennis, who is joining us online. Hi, hi, hi. I'm, I'm really sorry. I can't, I can't be there, um, but I will recount just briefly uh, my acquaintance with Marge, which began at the time that the countywide plan you've been talking about was taking shape, and I was, uh, I was so clueless at that stage in my kind of late career, I was uh, enmeshed in the early, early days of CEQA, but I didn't know a plan for the whole of ground. I, uh, have I lost you? We're still here. You can still hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I have lost you on my screen. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yeah, we hear you, Nona. Okay, well, I'll go on. I'll, I'll go on speaking. Okay, anyway, so, but I, but I do want to say that, that probably the main opportunities I had to work with Marge came after that plan, uh, beginning with her retirement and my retirement in the late uh, 19... In the uh, uh, 1998, uh, and we, we began to work on the community Marin document, updating it, which, for which she was really instrumental in the early uh, 1990s, uh, and that is kind of laying out for the environmental, from an environmental perspective, what we felt would be an ideal uh, disposition of, of a plan for the county. Uh, Mark Riesenfeld came to. Bring Conservation League and to Marge in the early 90s and said, well, what do you want for the 1994 update of the plan? By the time I got involved in the late 90s, we first joined forces in uh, working on the task force for St. Vincent Silvera, I guess probably the third task force that had been convened. So we worked together on that. And then leading up to the to what would become the, the 19 the 2007 update, major update of the countywide plan. Uh, Marge was instrumental in getting the community Marin group together, the various environmental organizations, Sierra Club, uh, Marin Audubon, Marin Conservation League, and so forth, and setting forth kind of a new course. And, and at that point, her big focus was on the fourth corridor, that is the Baylands, the Baylands Corridor. Uh, once she got on, got on message, she continued to be on message. And it was really through her leadership and the help of others that that was actually instituted into the 2000 plan. And then when that plan, of course, also had a foundation of sustainability, which she, uh, in which she was deeply involved in, in, in helping to formulate. Uh, and then following that, uh, the plan, 2007 plans, talked about sea level rise, but didn't do anything about it. And that became her next focus. Uh, you can't just talk about the fact that sea levels are going to rise and climate is changing, uh, but we what but what is the county uh, going to do about it? 
So that continued, that was her, her, her focus for the next update of the, uh, of the Community Marin document. Uh, and then following that, she brought to us a kind of a sense of understanding of the need of transportation and it actually differed from people in Marine Conservation League and Marine Audubon on, on uh, promoting and, and uh, supporting the, uh, what, would become, what would become SMART. Uh, and housing, similarly, she uh, uh, made us humble because we did not think about housing the Marine Conservation League at that time. But she, she uh, forced our attention and, and wrote uh, updates to our own Community Marine document which uh, really altered our, 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 our whole thinking about housing. So anyway, in, in conclusion, uh, throughout all of this, no one's mentioned the fact that, that Marge's, Marge's serious work was peppered, peppered with wit, a kind of rapier wit. Uh, she and, uh, and uh, uh, I can't remember the name now, of the county council who used to concoct their, their wonderful riffs on uh, on musical musical comedy, uh, so our 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 meetings always were were peppered with her uh, little little side comments such as "Don't get your panties in a twist." That was one of her favorites, or "That wouldn't pass the uh, the straight face test," and so on. So it was fun working with her. It was an education working with her, and her influence on my whole career, as well as everyone else, as sort of the future of Marin County has been well, well addressed today. So uh, I honor her and, uh, and her offspring who have both been making their marks uh, in their own way. Uh, and thank you for having such a wonderful collaboration for both the plan and for, for Marge. Thanks so much. Thank you, Nona. Our next speaker is Paul Jensen. Good morning, Paul. Are you willing to come up? <laughs> oh, I did not expect to speak. Oh, didn't you? No, I did not. Do you want to do something not. extemporaneous? Or do you want well, to I can say this. I met Marge Macris very early in my career, around 1980, and I knew she was a powerhouse, so she very much intimidated me. But I remember at the time she was working on a plan in North San Rafael at, around uh, Silvera St. Vincent's, and it was extremely controversial. And I just was awed at how she handled uh, public outreach in the community. So... That's my experience with her early on. Of course, I knew her later in my career as well. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Barbara Salzman is with us online. Barbara, would you like to share some comments? I would. Uh, thank you. I didn't really expect to speak either, but I'm, I'm really pleased that I have to have the opportunity. Sorry, I'm, I'm sort of, I have bronchitis. I can't, can't be there. Um, Anyway, I, I really knew Marge first as a member of the public and representing an environmental group <clears throat> or in Audubon Society uh, when the countywide plan was under development. And, um, but it's, it's interesting reminiscing um, with all of the, and I had forgotten some of them, all of the um, uh, organizations that Marge uh, was involved with and, and really played a major part with and we're still missing her. Uh, Marin Bayland's advocates and the citizens to preserve St. Vincent Silvera. We still have more work to do on that. Community Marin is still going on, and we're still still following up with her, as Nona mentioned, her um, her real interest in, in sea level rise and focus on that. And the Baylands Corridor, we owe her a great deal of uh, of uh, um, uh, uh, admiration for for pushing that forward. 
um, I was pleased to be actually more involved with her after she um, retired and further pleased to find out that way back we were um, probably related. We had the same unusual maiden name, so we were probably related way back. Uh, the county wouldn't be the same without her, and um, I'm uh, so happy that she was, the, she, she was part of our past, and, and, and we'll remember her and feel bad about losing her uh, right now. Thank you. Thank you. Having me. Thank you, Barbara. I'm going to invite up former Supervisor Steve Kinsey to make some comments, and then we'll go to the family, and then we'll go to anybody else who'd like to speak. Well, Treat, I want to say thank you to each of you board members for taking the time, and I especially want to uh, acknowledge you, President uh, Moulton Peters, for having the wisdom to take a moment to pause and reflect, even as all of your eyes are always focused forward. So this is really special. Uh, <clears throat> and of course, I, I have had my own wonderful experiences with Marge Macris, and I want to say to her family that uh, she really was a, a wonderful part of our county and, and our future. But even more than that, she joined this remarkable list of women who have really guided our county, and I want to call out the women. Not only do I see you at the board in strong positions of leadership, but if we think back to Carolyn Livermore, the remarkable things that she did, Vera Schultz, the very first county supervisor that was a female in all of California, and the remarkable things she did that we can stand in this room today because of her, her foresight and her fortitude. Um, actually, Supervisor Rice's mother, Pam Lloyd, was a part of a group of strong women who kept us from becoming uh, 40,000 or twice as much water coming out of Sonoma County at a time when growth would have just taken off in Marin County before the countywide plans had really taken hold and the litigation had stopped. So uh, thank you to Marge, but thank you to so many women. And even more importantly, I'd like to say that it really was a people's revolution that created this countywide plan. There were leaders like Marge and others uh, who, who actually converted it into a plan. But uh, as a college kid in Arizona, I remember seeing a picture of the Embarcadero Freeway stopped in midair. That inspired me to understand that people stopped that freeway, not the post-war engineers, okay? So what I see in Marin County is a reflection of that deep passion and that commitment, and it didn't come easily. It was a peaceful revolution, but it was a revolution for sure. Uh, lots of long hours in living rooms, very contentious public meetings, not that you don't have them today, but uh, really, really a struggle. Uh, litigation uh, captured very well and rebels with a cause as to how deeply people were committed to fighting for uh, this county. And what they really fought for, as Sarah mentioned today, uh, that really is so greatly reflected, is this idea that we can be a people who honor and respect and cherish the natural resources that we have. It is the, the defining aspect of our culture, and I think that anyone who lives or works in Marin feels that and appreciates it in different ways. Uh, our jobs going forward are, are really gonna be significant. I will point out uh, one thing that uh, Don Dickinson, who I've known also for many, many years, and he pointed that went down the, the 
the, the entire list in his mind <clears throat> of Marge Macris's engagement in which she was successful. But Marge was also successful in one thing that Don didn't mention, and that was her involvement with MEC, Marin Environmental Housing Coalition, because she saw that you could protect all of the natural environment, and if you ignored the community environment, you weren't going to get the win. And I think that we do not have the win in that community environment today. We've got, we've got the lands protected. We've got agriculture hanging on, and you need to make a renewed commitment to a strategy to keep agriculture uh, a viable and, and vibrant in our county. And so I will just say that uh, in, in closing, once again, thank you all for the work that you do. Thank you for taking the time to look back as you constantly are focused forward. And if you think in your day jobs a little bit about where we could be in 50 years from now, will we have truly embraced California's multicultural origins and have that reflected in the participation in our community? Will there be a supply of housing that reestablishes a diversity that has drifted away from us over these 50 years? Will our ag lands remain working landscapes? Uh, will our protected lands be sustainably managed? And I want to point out one, Tam, because the leadership there recognizes that we are young, that Europe has protected its lands for, for thousand years. We are at the 100 years. And so even though we've protected these lands, they require a cherished commitment to stewardship. And so um, the answers to those questions, in my mind, aren't really yours alone. They really depend on our community. But you are central to the leadership needed to inspire our community to achieve what we have over these last 50 years with this plan. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. I'm going to uh, invite now uh, Eric Macris on behalf of Marge's family, and, and uh, Natalie, his sister, is also here. And then we have some family friends who are going to speak. Good morning, Eric. Good to see you. Thank you, and thank you for having this event. It uh, means a lot to my sister and me, and it sure would have meant a lot to my mom, too. So thank you. Uh, uh, when my sister and I were kids, we used to ride the bus up here to visit mom and sort of watch her do her thing in the office. And uh, so much of being here, being in this room, watching public hearings, uh, the cafeteria. There used to be a sign, I don't know if it's still there, but we should go look, Nat. Uh, there was a sign in the cafeteria that said, uh, kindly bus your dishes to the bi dish busing area. <laughs> and uh, that sign sort of stuck in our... Uh, family stories, as did uh, a lot of anecdotes about our mom's work here. And I just wanted to say thank you mostly to, to uh, Stephanie and, and uh, the entire staff for putting this event together. Um, to all of you who worked with our mom, thank you. Um, all of your names, it um, brings back a lot of memories for us to uh, see you here today and to know what you did. So thank you. Uh, for what you did with our mom. Thank you for your public service. And um, the, the other thought that comes to mind, hearing the stories and recognizing that there, there was a movement um, that our mom was part of, that we were part of, to uh, protect the environment while still um, thinking about protecting communities and uh, promoting equity, um, that while you were all part of a movement, it it didn't have to be that way. There were 
choices each of you made that our mom made to do something. And uh, it's, it's an interesting balance between the reflection of a movement and, and um, pushing a movement. And um, that's still going on today, this arc of history from uh, starting in the 1800s, looking at what John Muir wrote about and did and protecting of Muir Woods uh, uh, to the Marincello movement, to the countywide plan, and to what the, you are doing now on climate change. Uh, Marin's always had an outsized voice in the national debate about what's right, whether it's the environment or equity or uh, a range of other matters. So um, there's a lot to do now, and thank you for the uh, ongoing effort to be part of and to steer a movement. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. And I want to note the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. In Eric's case, he's on the Mill Valley Planning Commission. Uh, there are friends and colleagues of Marge's who are here today, and I want to invite uh, any of them, Carol Williams, Alice Estill Miller, and Colette Meunier, if they'd like to come up and speak, or at least wave your hand that you're here. Uh, we're glad to see you. Okay, there we are. But please come to the podium, and, and then after the three of you, anyone else who'd like to speak. Good morning. It certainly brings back memories to be in this building. Marge Macris hired me in 1980. As you have heard, she, is an, she was an unwavering advocate for the environment and provided strong policy guidance to staff in reviewing development proposals and preparing community plans. She also was an example and leader for women in planning. Remember, this was over 40 years ago. Uh, women were the minority in the Berkeley Planning Master's Program and in the planning department of the jurisdiction I worked in before I went to do my master's program at UC Berkeley. Coming into a planning department headed by a woman was affirming and inspiring to me. She wasn't a strident feminist, but she was a model and an example every day. I remember staffing the public information counter one day, and a man was very unhappy with the information I was giving him about his property because I was young and a woman. He demanded to talk to the director. I had to work so hard to keep my face straight when he saw Marge Macris come out from her office, confirm that she was the director, and confirm the information I had given him. So as you celebrate her leadership in um, environmental protection, celebrate also the leadership she provided to women in the field. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello, I'm Alice Estel Miller, and I was the first I believe, a woman that Marge hired after Prop 13 in 1979. And I've had a career in planning since, of course. And I wanted to say briefly, it was really wonderful to work with Marge. She had such energy and such dedication. It, it always filled us with uh, momentum, I guess you might say. And I also wanted to say that she had things like 
phrases like deathless prose and harness greed, all those things that were to be part of our work. And I think it has played out. So, Thank you very much. Okay, come on up. I'm Carol Williams, and I uh, started in the planning department in uh, 1976 and uh, retired in 1989. Um, I w wanted to speak about Marge's uh, efforts and after the adoption of the, the, the uh, Marion County Wide Plan, uh, as, and she worked very hard to uh, provide the zoning, which really carried out the, the goals of the plan. And uh, she, uh, she oversaw the development of community plans in West Marin and in the Inland Rural Corridor from Stinson Beach to Tamales and in the San Geronimo and, and uh, uh, other, other inland communities. Um, and uh, so that was very important work that she uh, carried out. Um, she also oversaw uh, the uh, actions to carry out the transportation goals and continue the city and county cooperation, uh, which extended to Sonoma County. And we can see now that uh, the development of 101 is just about finished. And we have the smart train running on the railroad right-of-way. Those were all implementation of the county-wide plan that Marge uh, initiated. Um, so uh, these, these are important activities that she carried on after she had supervised the uh, adoption of the plan. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Okay, I'd like to open now to anyone else who'd like to speak on this item. Uh, on this item, if we on could. On this item, Great. my dear. Yes. My name's Matt Butler. I believe that uh, our democracy is an experiment. And when you're conducting experiments, every now and then you stop and assess and see what kind of results have you achieved. We have achieved homeless camps from border to border in Marin County. We have achieved lines at food banks blocks long. We have achieved a population of renters who are so housing stressed they can't afford health care, child care, proper transportation. We have a humanitarian disaster on our hands, and a lot of that disaster is caused by this 50-year plan, a 50-year war on housing. Your solutions of more open space on top of more open space, it just flies in the face of any logical solution to this crisis. The rest of the country realizes we have a crisis. The rest of the world realizes we have a crisis. But here in all-white Marin County, it seems to somehow not get on the radar. Societies do fail. Civilizations do crumble. World history is full of it. Inequality is the main driver of the downfall of any form of society. When you have a society where the haves who have housing dictate that other folks don't get any, you will fail. So it's time to end the war on housing. It's time to say, yeah, we had a nice little frolic for 50 years and take a realistic assessment of the havoc that has been created. 
Remember, this is all white Marin County, the whitest county in California. The rest of the country knows better. Okay, next speaker, and as we're now in public comment time, I'm going to remind everyone you have two minutes, and please give your name. I'm the principal planner in charge of the update to the Marin County-wide plan, which was between 2000 and 2006, adopted in 2007. I was recruited from uh, Santa Clara County to come up here and handle the update through the lens of sustainability, meaning creating um, a clear understanding of the connectivity between natural systems, built environment, and creating a new social equity section. And within three weeks of me starting, there was a knock at my office door, and they said, Marge Macris is here uh, to speak with you. And I said, who? And they said, Marge Macris. And I said, well, have her come into the office. And I met with her, and the first thing she said to me is, I want to tell you the history of why we have these three quarters, why the foundation of the environment is so important, and why you can't screw it up. And when I, t uh, after she kind of highlighted that background, and then we, s we talked about why I was hired, what is the connection between the three, why is the whole section on social equity so important, and why from a foundation of sustainability was important. Um, she said, hmm, let me get back to you about that. So a few weeks later, we sat down and we started to talk about the connection of the three. And this is where we started to have meetings between the three groups. We created a natural s section group, a social equity group, and a built environment group. And they all started to talk about those connections. And it really created, in terms of the implementation of the plan and those different sections of, of uh, benchmarking sustainability and how to create benchmarks and measurability in there, how it became so strong. So she was uh, now a 20-year friend of mine. I'm so glad that she came in to, and a mentor that she came into my office that day. So thanks so much. Thank you. And uh, I, let me clarify, this is public comment on Marge Macris and the 73 countywide plan. And then after that, we'll, after this item, we do the resolution, then we'll uh, have public open time on general other things. So if you're here to speak on the countywide plan and Marge Macris, now's the time. Well, thank you very much. I'm Peter Chernoff, and uh, I was listening, and... Um, I'm very much a fan of having women run the show, so that was nice to listen to all that good, uh, good uh, disclosures, and that I was making some notes, and I, I wrote down that uh, beautiful, marvelous, wealthy Marin sadly harbors an ongoing sordid dark side, and also when they were talking about the poor, we're now set to impose upon them toilet-to-tap drinking water. And like Sonoma County, Marin maintains what many believe, as do I, an abusive animal practices on a lot of their agricultural lands. And there's been several questions about people out on the coast who have had been paid a lot of money to move 20, 30 years ago, and that's never changed. Now, the good news is that it's a beautiful day. And this is a beautiful moment, and all time is now, so we can change a lot of things right here, right now. And I'm in, from Sonoma County, and that's where Luther Burbank said it's the best place in the world to grow veggies and fruits. And I'm Cactus Pete, and I say we do it the right way, we end all disputes. 
And by implementing large greenhouses, for example, in uh, these counties, we can grow anything in the world without being sprayed, without being poisoned or GMO'd or otherwise lacquered up on the outside with, uh, with poisons and, and, and being irradiated. So we have this beautiful opportunity to work off of what these people had spent a lot of time building to be this beautiful place. And it can be done without the abuse of animals. For it's been given that our court systems are based on the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments were never followed because... Thank you. We're at time. Oh, that's the time? Yep, that's time. Thank you very much. Okay, next commenter on the countywide plan or Marge Macris. Okay, if you're here, if you're here for regular public comment, we'll take that in probably about five minutes. You may want to sit down. Okay, anyone else? Please come up for Marge Macris or the countywide plan. Hi, my name is John Hart. I'm a writer in the environmental field. I was around and reporting for the Pacific Sun newspaper on all of the steps by which this countywide plan was developed. A60 zoning was uh, imposed. And the rest of that very strange moment, very unusual moment, uh, I also uh, uh, sat with Priscilla Bull and others on that uh, Environmental Quality Committee and was able to kibitz a bit on the content of the report that Priscilla has brought a copy of. Uh, what I think is easy to forget, looking back uh, over at least 40 years in which the basic tenets of the countywide plan are unchallenged, is what an unlikely thing it was. I remember first getting interested in this stuff, uh, as I still am, still writing about it, and uh, uh, thinking only that it would be nice if a few scraps of open space in West Marin could be preserved. And I was starting to look into what people were doing to that end. And then I discovered what was going on behind the scenes, that the potential existed for almost the entirety of Marin County uh, west of the central watershed to be open land of one sort or another. And it seemed wild. It seemed extraterrestrial. Nobody did this. This couldn't be done. This was not the background. This was not the mood. This was not the expectation. I guess insiders knew better, but I certainly didn't. And we also forget that there was uh, maybe a decade in which the survival of this new idea was very much in doubt. Now it's this uh, foundation we don't question, but it was shaky, hmm. and it took a lot of work by people like Marge to uh, keep it intact. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. We're at time. Okay. Uh, if there's no more speakers on Marge Mackers and Countywide Plan, all right. Thank you. Um, I want to recognize all the good comments about Marge Mackers and the Countywide Plan. I'd like to point out um, who this plan worked for, and they're the people sitting in the audience um, praising the 1973 countywide plan. I'd like to recognize the comments of Steve Kinsey, um, who invoked um, Europe protecting its land. He invoked revolution, and he invoked rebels. I thought that was really interesting, because 
the countywide plan, the 73 countywide plan, makes no consideration for restitution to the families of the black shipyard workers uh, whose homes had been burned to the ground by the county. The county gave permission for those wartime cottages, which were, you know, I, I understand they weren't in good repair. That was not the fault of the residents. The county gave permission um, for hundreds of these, these structures um, which, in which children had been born and, and children had been raised in loving homes. These things were burned to the ground um, by our own fire department, the county fire department, as part of an experiment with an insurance company. Uh, and the problem is nothing replaced that in Marin City. And this was not the beginning of the war on Marin City by any stretch, but it was very severe. And this happened in the early 60s. You had only room in Golden Gate Village for maybe an eighth of the black population of Marin City. So I, I think it's important to keep that in mind. Um, you know, there, I talk a lot about Bruce Risley, who came very close to um, establishing affordable, publicly owned housing in Marin City. He was thwarted by Vera Schultz. And that's a shame. And we got this building instead, which is a relic. Thank you. Thank you. We're at time. Okay, we're going to go online. There are three speakers, and I'm going to ask each of the three, are you here to, as you come in, are you here to speak on this item or general public open time? And if you are, then if you'd wait uh, five minutes. So Clayton Smith, you're our first online speaker. Are you speaking on this issue? Uh, yeah, I wanted to um, wait in a of it. I, I live here in uh, Tennessee Valley Road, and um, uh, I'm surrounded by the parklands created by the um, project that ended up um, thwarting the um, Marincello project. That was one of the principal reasons of, I think, for the countywide plan changes that occurred. I also wanted to say uh, it's a an unusual thanks should be given to Richard Nixon for signing off uh, on the, sea, uh, the national seashore, which is a key element that I think inspired much of this change in um, the nature of the way Marin County would be uh, grow into the future. But I also think it's important to think about the trade-offs that were involved here, because we uh, in Marin County uh, ceased to be what the rest of the Bay Area was, and instead we became a kind of a resort destination and also a kind of um, a valve that let off the steam uh, for all the people who are living in the more urbanized parts of the Bay Area to come here on the weekends to um, let off that steam in the parks here and um, up on the mountain but it's had an impact on the communities here uh, in Southern Marin, particularly where I live. The unabated amount of traffic that comes through here and um, the impact it has on the people that live here and also upon the people that live in some of the communities that go on out the coast that uh, are needing special consideration uh, by the uh, Board of Supervisors because we do live in
in a very unusual semi-urban environment. Thank you. The next speaker is D. Please unmute. Hello, D is Damien. Uh, may she forever rest in peace. Uh, I'm gonna speak the uh, very obvious here. Uh, environmental protections, open space, uh, we're exclusionary, uh, uh, very racist. Uh, we know this. Uh, we knew it then. We knew it now. Um, this is all about white power, white dominance, uh, uh, um, for white people to live and thrive in healthy environments and healthy communities. Um, black folk were left out of every decision and um, healthy living does not uh, equate to a county of Marin for black people. Uh, I'm born and raised in Marin City. Uh, the county has done nothing to invest in Marin City, no investment into Marin City at all over the years regarding this plan. Again, may she forever rest in peace. Now, uh, ironically, Mr. Kinsey is the gentleman and along with, if I recall, Kate Sears that went to Chicago and brought Lewis Jordan back here to uh, build a couple thousand units to displace every black person in Marin City to make that an all-white community eventually. Ironically, uh, ironically, the gentleman, I think he's the daughter, he's the son, who's now on the Mill Valley Planning Commission, uh, mentioned the word equity a couple times. There's nothing equitable in Mill Valley, but it is a Mill Valley, it, it's, it's a buzzword for Mill Valley, and it's a buzzword for the county. There's nothing equitable in the county of Marin and nothing equitable in Mill Valley. So this is all, again, white dominance, white power, white financial gain, and a lot more. Thank you. All right, we're gonna bring it back to the board for some comments and then we'll do the resolution. Uh, so Supervisor Rice, would you begin? Um, thank you so much, um, Stephanie. Um, I want to thank all the folks who are here today, but mostly I want to thank you, Stephanie, for agendizing this, um, both to recognize and honor Marge Macris and all the work that she did um, related to the countywide plan and just generally um, the, a vision for Marin County and development going forward. I. Um, Having grown up, sort of, uh, my, my mother was mentioned a couple times, she was part of the Environmental Quality Committee that put together the last place last and served on the water board in the 70s. Um, I was towed around to do marsh cleanups and uh, when I was a youngster and, and saw and was preached at a little bit around um, the importance of environmental protection and stewardship of our natural resources. And as has been mentioned a couple times, Marin County really was sort of on the forefront of that wave of really recognizing how important it was to consider our built environment and our nat natural environment and whole as we, um, as communities and, and a society sort of move forward because the environment had um, up till that point been um, seriously abused. So the countywide plan and Ken, the last place I they were they were so visionary and they were so smart about so smart about so many things, particularly around avoiding sprawl um, and the corridor designations that uh, the inland uh, the 
urban core and the uh, inland rural and ag, whatever they're called now, sorry, um, all really laid out nicely a very smart vision for how this county should grow. But what the countywide, what we missed, and, and actually, frankly, I, if I recall correctly, there's language either in here, in the can the last place last, or in the countywide plan that was adopted in 73 that acknowledges that if we're going to limit growth uh, and preserve open space, um, we run the risk of driving up housing prices um, and, and eventually excluding people, uh, the working class, lower income folks, um, important elements. We will lose the ability to have housing for the wide array of folks who need to be a part of every community and deserve a place to live in every community. That was acknowledged, and I think it has been recognized resoundedly in recent years. Hey, wait just a second. Hey, sir, sir. Yeah, please. Stop. You know, um, and happy to have a conversation with you offline. The county. Hey, 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 sir. Yes, and we're working on it. And if you speak out again, I'm going to ask you to be escorted out of the chambers. Thank you. Well, as I was saying, there's actually been, I think, a real um, reckoning and hard look of where we have failed as a county and communities to develop the kind of housing we need to make really sustainable, equitable communities. And the County of Marin as an organization has been working to reverse that trend. Um, but I, I do think it's important to call out that the good parts, the very important parts and vision that the countywide plan of, 70, of 73 um, laid out for us, the smart growth principles that so many other communities did not uh, take into account, but also the failings and the recognition which Marge Macris saw that we were, we were failing our moderate and lower income um, residents and um, it was not, our communities would not be sustainable. So that's our charge right now. I think, I think this is an important point of reflection. And I see no reason, and I think there's plenty of examples that show that environmental, values around environmental and natural resource protection and open space protection do not have to be compromised in achieving housing goals that meet the needs of every community. And um, I just want to, um, I think, just think it's really important um, that we as communities recognize that and uh, get behind the kind of denser development that has to happen in order both to preserve our open space and uh, public play open spaces and yet um, create the kind of housing that we need. So um, Marge, Marge Macris was a visionary and an incredibly hard worker and um, a woman uh, for and a human being for us all to aspire to carry on her vision. Thank you. Great. And uh, Supervisor Rice, I wonder if you'd move the uh, resolution. I think we've, we've covered all the points in it, so I'm not going to have us read it. But if you would move it, and then we'll 
get it. So I would uh, move adoption. I would move adoption of the resolution of the Marin County Board of Supervisors commemorating the 50th anniversary of the adoption of the 1973 countywide plan and recognize its legacy for Marin County. Thank you. Second. Thank you. And uh, Supervisor Lucan, any comments on your part you'd like yeah, to? Yeah, uh, just, just real quickly, um, uh, President Moulton Peters, thank you for bringing this forward. I really want to thank the, the family of Marge uh, for being here. I had the great privilege of getting to meet Marge uh, as a Nevada Council member in 2015. Um, working on a countywide sea level rise committee. And, and I don't know how Marge uh, ended up that. She probably orchestrated the whole thing and brought us all together. Um, but it was such a privilege and an honor for me to work with such a legend uh, like Marge over those couple of years and get to know her a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, get to recognize the, the great work that, um, you know, she had a, an instrumental part in uh, with this countywide plan. And when I look back at the countywide plan, I like to think that the vision that was set out for Marin County is really what led to uh, my mom and dad choosing to purchase a home in Novato in the 1970s uh, and making it their forever home and raising me here in the county um, and really giving me an appreciation for the open space and all that we have around us. Uh, fast forward to where we are today, as I was thumbing through the report, I noticed that in 1973, a low-income family was uh, had an income of $8,000 uh, or less in 1973. But at that same time, you could buy a home in Novato for Thirty or forty thousand dollars, so just about four or five times your annual income uh, as a low-income individual in Marin County. Uh, fast forward to where we are today, uh, you know, a low-income individual making fifty thousand dollars a year is looking at uh, a home uh, a twenty x of what their <coughs> annual income is. So uh, even even with all the things we're talking about today, there are much larger macroeconomic issues uh, that are hand that are not unique to Marin when you look at the differences between annual incomes and cost of housing. We see that all over the Bay Area. We see that all across the nation. Um, we've got a lot of work to do here locally to make sure that you know, our lower income earners have a place uh, to be able to call home in Marin, and that's what we'll be working on for the next 50 years, but I don't think that takes away from, from the great planning work that went in place uh, back in 1973, and definitely want to recognize Marge and all of those uh, here today uh, as we uh, recognize this plan. Thank you. Thank you. Supervisor. Second. Thank you so much. Um, thank you to um, Supervisor Moulton Peters for bringing this forward and for CDA staff currently, but also past CDA staff. It's great to see you all here to, you know, current and former supervisors who've been through this process and for all the people who've stepped up to serve on planning commissions over the years um, and grapple with and um, work through these tough decisions. Um, really appreciate all of that service. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity to stop and reflect um, and really think about you know, what our history is and how we are in the situation that we are in today. Um, I think that we all appreciate and also where we recognize we have room for improvement. Um, the vision of having, you know, a corridor with housing and transportation <clears throat> is something we continue to work on today, um, and we aren't there yet, but I think we've got the groundwork that's really laid out in our housing element that was adopted about this time last year. And so, you know, what I reflect on is that it is going to take all of us, past and present and current, to continue to work to implement the hard work um, that's laid out in that housing element that really is looking at equity and our workforce um, and taking a hard look at it. And the, 
the properties that we're talking about are the same ones that have been, you know, that many of you spoke of. St. Vincent's, some of these properties that we've, you know, been talking about for 30 or 40 years, and they are continue to be in the dialogue of places where we can talk about housing. So I just ask that everybody's here online and listening to continue to engage and work through controversial, difficult issues as we really try to continue to protect what we all love about Marin, but also make it more inclusive for um, so many that we know are excluded from our county. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And I'm going to join my colleagues in appreciating that this is a moment of reflection for us and, and acknowledge the incredibly valuable framework that Marge and the countywide plan established for us. Uh, but for me, it's also an opportunity to really lay out going forward that we do need to address housing and we do need to address equity. And Marge presaged some of this as well. Uh, Bob Pandoli, the former Planning Director of Corte Madera served with Marge on Marin's Environmental Housing uh, Collaborative. And he talks about uh, her desire to create uh, a way to address the long-standing cycle of conflict between environmental and affordable housing advocates in Marin. And uh, she helped develop a strategy report that would include 20 housing and environmental community leaders to formulate it. And that was the beginning of MEC. And uh, so they are still proponents of balance with housing and environment, as I am too. Uh, and there is more work to do on equity uh, for all people and people of color in this county. And so on a going forward basis, we have a very good start for 50 years and a lot more to do in the next 50 years. So I want to thank uh, Eric and Natalie for being with us here today and all the friends of the family and colleagues of Marge's. And I want to thank Sarah Jones, our female county planning director, big shoes to fill, but you can do it, and, all, and your staff for pulling this together and for the History Museum for your wonderful exhibit. So with that, we have had a motion and a second on the resolution. All in favor? Aye. Oh, we do a roll call. Thank you. Okay, may the clerk call the roll. Supervisor Rice? Yes. Supervisor Lucan? Yes. Supervisor Second? Yes. Supervisor Radoni? Supervisor Moulton Peters. Yes. Okay, that passes. And I want to say congratulations on this and invite the family to come up. We've got the resolution and a, and a beautiful piece by our Congressman Huffman to give you as well. Okay, we're going to take a couple minutes now, uh, and those who uh, uh, want to stay with us for the rest of the meeting, you're welcome to do that. Anyone that wants to uh, leave now, this, uh, this, here's your opportunity, and thank you again for joining us. And in just a couple of minutes, we'll go to uh, public open time for items not on the agenda.
good to see you. I know you too. And Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. And remember. Big, big kid. Yeah. 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 Well, you don't know what they're going to say. They're going to say it's the wall
Okay, we're going to reconvene now. And uh, I'm going to invite our former county CDA director, Alex Hines, to join us for a last comment on Marge Macris. Uh, so welcome, Alex. Great to see you. Water leaking into the buckets, it's still going strong. And uh, whoops, uh, it's Get the roof a little redone. rusty. I just wanted to say that I, I first met Marge a long time ago, and I've had the pleasure of uh, being in different organizations, planning organizations with her. And, and she's a great lady, and you're you're just right on target to to commend her like that. In, in Thinking about what I wanted to say real briefly, though, is in addition to that, there's an, an extraordinary legacy of family. You might even think of it as a dynasty, but a positive dynasty. I mean, we're not talking Imelda Marcos or Trump or anything like that with Ivanka. We're talking about Marge's husband was a planning director. Her daughter wrote the book on how planners could write better that I used to get staff to read, and um, and it's just a, uh, just wanted to send my, you know, say my, my goodbyes. She, she was a wonderful lady, and um, that's that. Thank you for letting me cut in line. Thank you very much, Alex, and thank you for your work bringing Marin forward. Okay, we'll go now to public open time, and I'm going <coughs> to remind everyone that we've got our... Uh, got our two minutes and we also have a commitment to respectful dialogue please okay if you would good morning <clears throat> my name is uh, David Glick and I live in Fairfax <clears throat> and I'm here as a member of Jewish Voice for Peace to strongly urge the Board of Supervisors to pass a resolution calling for the immediate and total ceasefire in Gaza <clears throat> while I abhor the savage Hamas attack on Israel on October 7th we must today address the horrific war crimes Israel is committing in Gaza. Israel's relentless carpet bombing of a civilian population has resulted in the deaths of almost 20,000 Palestinians and many more with severe wounds and many more unaccounted for under the rubble. This is a clear instance of collective punishment and a violation of international law. Israel is acting out of blind revenge. It's bombing hospitals and schools and UN shelters and churches and mosques, <clears throat> indiscriminately bombing residential homes. <clears throat> it has killed 275 healthcare workers and 97, um, <clears throat> 97 um, uh, <clears throat> journalists who are trying to alert the world to what's happening, this horrible thing that's happening in Gaza. Then there's a siege, and Israel is blocking the amount of food and the amount of medicine and the amount of water that comes into Gaza. It's a horror show. Moreover, these days there are increasing numbers of international lawyers and scholars who are saying that, God, that Israel now is committing genocide in Gaza. Genocide. And genocide is <clears throat> acts, of <clears throat> acts that are committed with the intent to destroy in whole or in part 
a national, ethnic, racial, or religious group. Okay, thank you. We're at time. And that is what's happening now, and I urge the I urge the the yes. the board to um, pass this resolution. Thank you. We're at time. Next uh, speaker, and we're going to do five in the chambers and five online for uh, forty-five minutes. Yes. Next, please. Can you hear me now? I know the microphone is a bit difficult. <clears throat> You've heard a lot of words from people desperately trying to get you to pass a ceasefire resolution now. I couldn't say it any better than my friend David here, so I'm going to try a different approach in the hopes that I can persuade you to do it as soon as possible before any more people are slaughtered. Once in royal David city stood a bulldoze little shed where a mother and a baby slowly on to death they bled. Mary was that mother mild, Jesus Christ, a little child. Israel murdered those civilians and will murder many more. Israel plans a genocide of millions. This is what they have in store. Lose their lands, sadists stain their bloody hands. Please cease fire now. Thank you. Beautiful. Good morning. Now back to planning. It seems to be the morning for it. Carolyn Leonard, Tara Linda San Rafael. I ask that you reschedule item seven of today's agenda regarding accessory dwelling units. We need more time to comment on 101 pages at holiday time. Don't do it today. Considering this is a life and death matter and it deserves more time. You may not realize, but every realtor in California has just been given a free tool called Symbidium which is, helps them and their clients to decide if their site is appropriate for an accessory dwelling unit. And the first question they ask, is this a, fire, a high fire zone? Is this subject to liquefaction? Is this a flood zone? <laughs> is there egress? Is there safe access for our firefighters? Are we going to put them at risk as well? So um, don't act today. Table that discussion or when you have more input from the community and more time for that, it's a matter of life and death. Everything that you consider that is a matter of life and death should have special amount of time and special input. Thank you for listening and look forward to your actions. Thank you. We'll take one more speaker in the chamber, then we'll go online. 
Good morning, good morning, supervisors. My name is Chris Jewell, and I'm a retired software engineer resident of Terra Lender for 32 years, and a naturalized US citizen. Uh, we just had some wonderful tributes to uh, Margie Macris. Um, but let's just take a moment to compare how lucky we are living here in Marin to actually have an environment to protect and to live healthily and happily here. Um, this is a diametrically opposite situation. There is a diametrically opposite situation uh, for the people in Gaza who no longer have an environment to protect. I'm respectfully calling on the Board of Supervisors to put forward a resolution calling for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza with the exchange of hostages and, pal and Palestinian political prisoners. Many other Bay Area cities and counties have had similar resolutions that have passed. There needs to be forceful public pressure at all levels of government to demonstrate that we, the people, believe as a country in our core principles of equality for all, humanitarian principles, and the importance of justice for all, regardless of ethnicity, race, and religion. Our Palestinian American community is currently in deep grievance over the loss of their people in Gaza, many of whom have lost dozens of their extended family under Israeli bombing. Uh, so I would ask the Board of Supervisors to put forward a resolution to vote on this issue. Thank you. Okay, we'll go online for five speakers. The first speaker is Sophie Wright. Please unmute. Hi there. Um, my name is Sophie Reef, and I'm uh, born and raised in Marin County. I'm an alumni of Brandeis Hillel Day School just down the road from you. And I'm here to add my voice to the growing chorus, calling on the Marin Board of Supervisors to pass a ceasefire resolution. I'm a proud anti-Zionist Jew, and I'm also a trauma-focused social worker, and I know all too well how this ongoing bombardment will only cause horrible intergenerational wounds for Palestinians and Jews alike. There's a lot of uh, argument that what this horrible treatment of Gazan civilians at the hands of the IOF and the Israeli government is doing is somehow to protect Jews, not only in Israel, but all over the world. And as a proud anti-Zionist Jew, born and raised in Marin County, I passionately counter that argument. It does not make us safer. Our oppression is intertwined deeply, and it is the responsibility of leadership from anywhere we can gather it, including here, to stand firmly in the voice of Palestinian solidarity, calling for a ceasefire. You know what enabled my ancestors to survive the horrors of anti-Semitism in Eastern Europe? It was not the creation of a Zionist theocratic ethnostate. It was the Works Progress Administration, or WPA, of the 1939 New Deal that gave my great-grandfather a job building public highways when he and his family, the descendants of pogrom fleeing refugees from Hungary during the Great Depression, were homeless in Ohio. Think of all the life-saving resources like that we could use in our beautiful county of Marin. Instead, we send billions of federal funds to Israel every year. Thank you, Deef of Marin City, also for your comment earlier. 
The next speaker is Isa. Please unmute. Hi, good morning. My name's Isa. I'm Isabel Pena. I live over in San Anselmo, and I am also adding my voice to the chorus to urgently call for the board to draft and adopt a ceasefire resolution. Um, ethnic cleansing is not self-defense, but an extension of the Zionist mission to eradicate the native Palestinian population, and this mission began over 75 years ago. Daily, we are witnessing the starvation and occupation of millions of innocents surviving over 75 years of illegal occupation. The world is awake to these facts, while the U.S. and its fascist allies would rather escalate regional tensions than to bring an end to its billions in support of the Israeli occupational forces. The U.S. cannot denounce the use of phosphorus bombs, a chemical weapon that burns skins, melts skins, murder people, um, and then when you wash it with water, it causes unimaginable pain and suffering while fulfilling the shipments of these weapons without question in um, factories in Arkansas. The Israeli governor's gov uh, government is a murderous, genocidal, rogue entity that will only stop its killing of innocent civilians if the entire global community stands united in boycotting, divesting, and sanctioning them. It's bombing not only Palestine, but Jordan and Lebanon as well. Almost 100 journalists have been murdered, no doubt targeted by the IOF for showing the truth of empire to the world. Children are losing parents, are losing limbs, are losing any chance of having a childhood, and we cannot witness these daily atrocities from the comfort of our homes without acting. Silence is no longer an option. You must, at the very least, consider a ceasefire resolution. Hear your constituents. This is a death or life situation. We can't have silence in a situation that is so loud, so obvious. The U.S. can't keep focusing on student protests and um, the BDS movement and hold its regard with the international community. It's a joke. We need ceasefire now. Please listen to your constituents. This is a popular resolution. This is not controversial. Thank you. The third speaker is Rebecca Collins. Please unmute. Good morning and thank you. Um, I am calling in today to say, please pass a ceasefire. It is not a political action. It is an ethical imperative. We are not being listened to. The people in our country are not being listened to by our federal representatives. They, the majority of them, including Huffman, Butler, Kavila, are backing the Biden administration in carpet and funding unconditionally arming and funding the carpet bombing of an internment camp full of starving children, maimed children, orphaned children, and saying that it is part of self-defense. I'd like to read something from a doctor, a Palestinian doctor in Gaza who works for UNRWA and she survived an Israeli airstrike on her home, which killed her mother, brother, and nephew. She says, every day I leave the place where we took refuge. I say goodbye to them, the rest of her family, when I go to work as if it were the last farewell. I'm afraid I won't come back. I'm afraid I'll come back and I will find no one. We really need your help. The world is crying out for this. We are losing all our standing in the world. And, you know, and we're helping Israel to lose its standing. So why are we doing this? We need your help. Please, supervisors, pass a ceasefire amendment. Thank you. 
So, um, no, we're not clapping. Uh, look, I'm looking at the number of people in the chambers and online, and to get everybody in this morning, I'm going to ask that we go to one minute con now so that we can hear you all, hopefully, within Please 45 do minutes. Do no, I am doing that, and you have one minute to speak, sir. I am Peter, and I am servant with an addiction to friction with conviction. As I speak, the spirit of Christ embraced by the spirit of Crazy Horse with great lightning and thunder from beyond and down under is here and now. Homeless veterans, homeless veterans, so too homeless women and children in America and California. What public servants are speaking to the billions being sent to Israel? And 70% of all this money comes from California. Here in California where people listen to Buddha, I am Peter, I am one with the Lion of Judah. I am withholding all my efforts, labor, and monies from the very economy now serving the never-ending wars for 40 days. Unbeatable veteran warriors of Christ, I am commanding as I am commanded till every need of the earth be remanded 40 days, 40 nights, bringing Leonard Peltier, our U.S. Constitution, and therefore our law enforcement to serve Americans, its true purpose, and its true promise. I say it, you hear it, it is done. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Schneider Stocking, constituent from Terra Linda, and these are experts from a report from Gaza by Bizan, a young filmmaker, traveler, and a dreamer. Day 72. Oh my God, oh my God. So they're bombing now the maternity building inside Nasser Medical Complex. A woman and a girl were killed, four injured so far. This is what happened to Donia Abu Mohsen. She left her home at the beginning of this escalation, this aggression, this genocide, because her home was bombed, went to a relative's home, then that was bombed. She lost mother, father, brother, all killed. She was injured, lost her leg, leg was amputated. She lived, got treatment in the Mubarak building for maternity and children, and yesterday her room was bombed. She was killed. Can you imagine surviving for 72 days, all this horror, all alone, and then to be killed? That's the story of each of us Thank under you. the We're Israeli time. occupation. So please, cease fire now. Thank you. We're at time. Next speaker, please. My name is Nadia Tarzi. I'm a constituent from Tira Linda. I have two comments. I uh, second what Isap said, um, who was on online uh, earlier. And I do ask that you pass a resolution for a ceasefire now. Um, it's international violation of international law that is happening right now. And you've gotten a lot of facts and so on. My second comment is about the coastal Miwoks. I haven't heard anything about, uh, about the coastal Miwoks uh, re reparation as far as the Marin County-wide plan is concerned. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Next speaker, please. The resolution will I'm sorry, sir. You're out of order. You're out of order. We're going to ask the deputy to escort you out, Peter. Thank you. You're out of order. Good morning. Uh, 
I'm a proud anti-Zionist Jew, and I was born and raised in Marin County, and I'm asking the Marin County Board of Supervisors to support a permanent ceasefire. We are just down the street from Brandeis Hillel Day School, where I was educated for nine years, and it was my experience in that school that informed my decision to become a college professor of Jewish American Studies who believes Jewish and Palestinian liberation are bound up together. I'm one of the thousands of educators in this country being accused of anti-Semitism for publicly supporting a ceasefire and, and refusing to support the ongoing genocide against human beings in Palestine. These accusations are not about keeping Jews safe, but rather about silencing the many voices calling for Palestinian liberation. And the support of a ceasefire is also an environmental concern, which I hear the board is very concerned about here in Marin County. It's increasingly about public, public knowledge that the U.S. supplies many of the bombs and tear gas that Israeli military is using against Palestinians. But likewise, the U.S.-Mexico border region has been referred to as a laboratory for Israeli companies like Elbit Systems to test their surveillance technologies. And the primary, the primary targets of these technologies are low-income communities, migrants and asylum seekers, and indigenous peoples. So to endorse a ceasefire is a step towards refusing that our lands and waters be weaponized against other uh, human yes, beings in our up. natural environment. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Time's up. Okay, next speaker, please. Hi, I'm Nish. Um, wow, smaller crowd today. Hey, Eric, Katie. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Mary. Um, I am a first-generation Jewish American with my family immigrating from Ukraine. And it's really puzzling to see how people came together for Ukraine when Russia invaded and its imperialist forces attacked the Ukrainian border. But we have such a different view about Palestine. Why? The other thing I want to say is that I have been called a self-hating Jew many times because of my stance. I don't like a lot of things about myself, but I don't hate being a Jew. And I just want to say, you guys should pass a ceasefire resolution because um, it's important. Okay, Stephanie, Katie, Eric, Mary, I hope you heard me, and I hope you hear us. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to go to speakers online now. The first speaker is Ace Tellen. Please unmute. Uh, hello. Um, yeah, I've made it to a few meetings before I couldn't make it today. I really appreciate all the speakers that have really um, shared their heart. And Jane, thank you. And uh, David Glick, thank you. Yeah, the urgency. I think, why are we dragging our feet? It's been two months, over two months, almost two and a half months, and everyday Palestinians are dying under the rubble. Um, this is going one direction, and it's only a grassroots movement that can force the U.S. Congress and the president and the powers that be to act with sanity. This is insane. It's scary. Um, I really want to encourage the board members to open their history books, Elon Pape, Rashida Khalidi, uh, Edward Zaid, the more you know about the history of Palestine, the more outraged you are and the more you're going to demand an end to Israeli apartheid. Um, please Thank pass you. a ceasefire resolution. Thank, Thank you. you. Next speaker. The next speaker is Sam. Please unmute. Hi. Um, 
22 hospitals have been bombed. The maternity ward was specifically bombed just yesterday. Palestine has lost almost all of its infrastructure. This is so far beyond questioning whether or not this is a genocide or a war. Pope Francis has condemned the gen genocide in Israel publicly twice. We need a ceasefire resolution because Marin County gives millions to Israel. We are so complicit. Silence is violence. Inaction is action, and it resounds with meaning. If we don't condemn genocide, especially while we are funding it, we are endorsing it, even and especially if we say nothing. Once again, Palestinian Americans in our community deserve to feel safe and cared for during this deep trauma, not know their community funded the genocide of their people. We demand a ceasefire resolution and a permanent end to any and all funding to Israel immediately and permanently. Thank you. We're at time. The next speaker is Jason Lindahl. Please unmute. Uh, hello, my name is Jason. Uh, I've enjoyed the privilege of being a Marin resident for 34 of my 36 years. We are witnessing the most comprehensively documented genocide in our history. Uh, so I trust uh, beyond cynicism that the board members understand the severity and gravity of the atrocities unfolding in Palestine. We've also been confronted by statistics and heartfelt pleas by uh, the public repeatedly. In the face of these atrocities that have been defined as premeditated genocide and ethnic cleansing by every serious uh, international organization, it is criminal to remain silent. The United Nations has overwhelmingly voted for a ceasefire. Every poll taken of the American public overwhelmingly supports a ceasefire. There is no controversy in calling for a ceasefire. It is not complicated, and there is no excuse to remain silent two and a half months into a genocide happening right before our eyes. With that, the board weighs only one choice, the choice between moral and ethical good and political profit. I implore you, as we all do, lead the people you have been chosen to represent and do the right thing. Adopt a ceasefire resolution. Thank, Thank you. you. We're time. Next. The next speaker is Cecil. Please unmute. Good morning. My name is Cecile Nielsen, and I have lived in Marin for over 30 years. I am in District 1. The reason that your room is not full today is because a lot of the kids are in finals right now. I am here today to ask that you kindly take time amongst yourselves to discuss what is going on in Gaza and sign the resolution asking for a ceasefire that has been presented to you. Like Pope Francis said, this is not war. This is terrorism. Please examine your moral civic duty. Please, let's show the world that we, Marin County, stand for peace. Please adopt the resolution as soon as possible. Thank you, and we cannot be quiet. Next, please. The next speaker is Ali Sakar. Please unmute. Hi, uh, I'm Ali. Uh, like many, I find Marin to be a uniquely beautiful place, and I'd like to think of it as an enlightening place, too. But what does it say about our culture to be sitting on Mawuk land, a people ethnically cleansed, and we're sitting in blissful ignorance as another indigenous people are being blown to bits by a 75-year ethnic cleansing operation? We need a ceasefire resolution now. The vast majority of Palestinians in Gaza have grandparents like my grandparents and great-grandparents, and that they were forced out of their homes by Zionist militias in 1948, homes and land now stolen and belonging to the Israeli government and citizens. Every generation, including my parents since, have had their pain and trauma 
from all from the, the wars and attacks on Palestine by the U.S. sponsored Israeli government. We're seeing the same bloodshed by the U.S. Israeli government now. If you want to know why we're out in the level of force that doesn't bode well for incumbents, it's because a culture like this needs a counterculture. Please support a ceasefire now. Okay, we're going to go back to the chambers for five speakers for one minute. Yeah, if Good. you would. Uh, Anna Rogers, I'm fourth generation, uh, born in California and 50 years here in California. I'm 85 years old, and I identify as Jewish due to an earlier uh, thing in, in 1492 where uh, my ancestors, who were Jewish, were, were given a choice of death and destruction to their families and their homes or taking a Christian name. And so uh, my ancestors are still in, still identified as Jewish in um, uh, <laughs> where... Well, in, in Palestine, too. Um, uh, so uh, I'm here because it is Christmas time. And as a country, we heavily identify with, um, with being Christian. And I work with Jewish Voice for Peace as Jewish. And I, I work with um, uh, NorCal Sabeel. Thank as you. So time. I'm leaving you yeah, uh, just a go written ahead and give a thank Christmas you. Things. Thank you. Okay, next speaker. That you I'm need sorry. to consider because we're you. going into it. And we cannot become a genocidal yes. country. I'm Genocide sorry. Joe I'm will not to go give well. give everybody a chance to speak. So, next speaker. Hello, Board of Supervisors. My name is Ricky. I'm of Jewish descent and I've lived in San Rafael most of my life. Today, the UN Security Council is expected to vote on a resolution calling for another halt in the fighting in Gaza. Marin County should be on the right side of history and join them by proposing and passing an immediate and permanent ceasefire resolution. You've heard a lot from all the people in front of me about the statistics of the genocide and the atrocities, and I cannot fathom being all right with being the funding for it. Uh, the ongoing genocide and atrocities need to stop, and Marin needs to do our part. Propose and pass a ceasefire resolution. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Hi, uh, my name is Crash Marin, born and raised. Um, as of yesterday, the reported death toll, including those trapped under rubble with no chance of survival, was over 20,000 and over 50,000 injured. Of those, over 10,000 are children, 99 are journalists, and the vast majorities are civilians and non-combatants. If this was a fight against Hamas, why is the idea of bombing places that have no known connection to Hamas? Why are they murdering civilians? Why are they destroying not only people's homes, but their lives, and not only their lives, but their history? The IDF has destroyed over 300 schools, over 150 places of worship, including a mosque that dates back 679 years, and a church that was built in 425 CE. Only 14 of Gaza's 36 hospitals are still able to provide even basic first aid, with the death toll of healthcare workers being at uh, about 300. Uh, I implore you to call to call for an immediate and permanent ceasefire. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Thank you, <clears throat> Larry Bragman, Fairfax. Um, I was bar mitzvahed in 1967 in the aftermath of the Six-Day War, and I remember the jubilation that David had defeated Goliath. Fifty-six years later, the war never ended, and David has turned into Goliath. What's going on now is not self-defense. 
It's vengeance driven by anger and grief. And we here in the protected quarters of Marin County in the United States need to break the silence because at some point silence is complicity. And I would ask you to take up the resolution. I thank you for the platform you've given the citizens to bring it to you. But at some point, we've got to act, we've got to speak out, or else we're complicit. So I would urge you to take up the resolution. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, last speaker of this group in the chambers, and we'll go online. Good morning, supervisors. My name is Pat Murphy, Terralinda resident. I stand before you again today, the fourth week in a row, to urge you, Marin County Supervisors, to adopt a permanent ceasefire resolution. If the board's fourth week of silence on this issue happens, it would truly be deafening, as 2.2 million Palestinians in Gaza have been living through genocide, as Israel bombs, starves, and displaces them. Over 17 Palestinians have now died since the conflict began a little more than two months ago. When Israeli leaders have been asked, when will the war end, many responders have said, they don't see an end to the bombing and fighting for many months. If this is true, tens of thousands more Palestinian lives will be lost, many women and children. I ask you, Marin County Supervisors, to be on the right side of history now and vote on a permanent ceasefire resolution now. Thank you. Thank you. We'll go online for five speakers. The first speaker is Sabrina. Please on mute. <clears throat> Good morning, Mary, Katie, Dennis, Stephanie, Eric. My name is Sabrina Socorro. I'm a lifelong resident of Burren County. I want to acknowledge we're on the traditional lands of the coastal Miwok, or Hukuiko. Um, I urge you to connect to your heart and pass a resolution for an immediate ceasefire and to demand for a complete divestment in this genocide of our Palestinian brothers and sisters. <laughs> I want to resurface of this up at, a, at the December 5th Board of Supervisors meeting. A woman in the room interrupted a speaker to loudly wish for his children to be raped and harmed, and your response as a board was to ask her to quietly sit down and stay in the room rather than remove a clear source of violence from a public space in order to protect those you serve. And I really want you to reflect on why you chose to move in this way. Whether you're desensitized, are you overwhelmed and therefore shutting down? Please don't shut down. Please don't turn away. You have the capacity to allow your hearts to break open and hold each other accountable to the harms that we inflict and encourage people to do better. So please call for an immediate permanent ceasefire and divestment from this genocide and all forms of genocide for forevermore. Okay, we're at time. And Al, if you would please help me with the time and just stop after a minute for each person, that would be helpful. No problem. The next speaker is Elias. Please unmute. Hi, my name is Elias, and I'm speaking on behalf of a group, so I'll ask for extra time. I'm speaking on behalf of West Asians for BIPOC safety in Marin. Um, I urge you to adopt a ceasefire resolution. Israel is often referred to as America's greatest ally. Um, <clears throat> Israel, as we can also see, is a fermenter and amplifier of anti-Arab and anti-Palestinian racism. This week, the U.S. news is full of the story of three Israeli hostages waving white flags before being shot by Israeli soldiers. Of course, this is nothing new. For the past two months, human rights workers and journalists have been documenting these 
uh, have been documenting Israeli soldiers killing civilians <clears throat> as they wave white flags <clears throat> and attempt to find safety. Snipers <clears throat> with some of the best, most accurate weapons in the history of mankind are looking down <clears throat> their high magnification scopes. The next speaker is city clerk of Larchburg. Please unmute. Please unmute. Yeah, I'll come back to you. The next speaker is Clayton Smith. Please unmute. Beyond the deplorable conduct of the IDF in Gaza, there is a broader issue uh, to look at. Recent threats made by the Israeli government to Hezbollah in Lebanon speak to the expansion of the war to the possible destruction of Beirut itself, which will bring Iran and Turkey into the conflict. From there, World War III is only a small step away. The deployment of the U.S. military in the region speaks to an expectation that this will occur. We are now all in this together. Um, in a way, we are all Palestinians now, facing the threat of the destruction of the world that we're currently living in. I hope that you will act accordingly. Thank you. The next speaker is Chris Parando. Please unmute. Hey, uh, thank you. I'm just adding my name to the people calling for a ceasefire. I'm going to read an excerpt from an article about the level of brutality that we're seeing every day. A badly burned toddler screaming for the mother he doesn't know is dead and screaming because doctors do not have enough painkillers to relieve his suffering. An eight-year-old boy whose brain is exposed is bombing damaged parts of his skull. A teenage girl, her eyes surgically removed because every bone in her face is smashed. A three-year-old double amputee whose severed limbs are laid out in a box beside him. And in the background is a stench of rotting flinch, the flesh as maggots creep out of untreated wounds. This is happening to Palestinians every single day. Pass a ceasefire resolution and end this slaughter. If you choose to stay silent on this matter, your cowardice will follow you for the rest of your life, and we will not forget. The next speaker is Bronia. Please unmute. Hi, thank you. Uh, I'm a resident. This is Bronya Hill. I'm a resident of Mill Valley, California, uh, District 3. I echo the comments of everyone who's called for a ceasefire. I urge you to adopt a resolution for an immediate and permanent ceasefire in Gaza. Our, our taxes are being used to pay for bombs, shells, and white phosphorus that are murdering and maiming innocent Palestinian people. More than 20,000 Palestinians have been murdered. Thousands have been kidnapped and are being held illegally by the Israeli occupation forces. Two million people have been made homeless with nowhere safe to go. Two and a half million people are being starved to death. They are held captive and being starved to death, being denied food, water, and basic human rights. Cases of children who have already starved to death have been reported. Members of the Israeli government, including the prime minister, have vocalized their intent for genocide repeatedly, and they are carrying it out at scale. A ceasefire resolution should not be controversial. It is our... The next speaker is Sophie. Please unmute. My name is 
Sophie Woodbrinker and I live in Bolinas. I'm calling in to support the call to adopt a resolution for a ceasefire. We must put pressure on our political systems and leaders at all levels to stop the violence in Gaza. Our safety is bound up with one another's and I do not consent to living within a system that supports war crimes and genocide. We must stand up and say no more murders. We must stand up and say ceasefire now. We must stand up and say end the occupation in Gaza and the West Bank. Every day that we do not call for a ceasefire is another day where Palestinian people are slaughtered. Worlds ended, families gone forever. I share the words of artist Lane. US Americans do not turn away from images of war that your government helped create. Each one contains an entire world no less real than your own. Each should hurt like hell. Let your body be filled with a hunger for justice, for continued life on earth and demand it of those who claim to represent you. Please. Okay, so we're gonna come back to the chambers for five more and uh, if anyone else wants to speak in the chambers, please line up because uh, <coughs> then we'll, we'll close in the chambers uh, after the last speaker. So actually I'm gonna let all the speakers in the chambers go right now. So we'll go beyond five. If you wanna speak, now's the time to line up. And the gentleman uh, in the back with the green cap will be the last speaker unless someone else comes up. Yes, Ava likes to be last, so come on up, Ava, you'll be last. Okay, it's just the last one in this chambers and then we'll finish online. Okay, please, sir. Good morning, uh, my name is Joe McGarry and I live in Fairfax. I'm an organizer with Ceasefire Now Marin. We have collected over 500 signatures from folks living in Marin who are demanding you adopt a permanent ceasefire resolution. We have shown up in your chambers and in your Zoom for the last three weeks, missing classes and enduring smaller paychecks because we cannot sit by and do nothing as an atrocity like the ethnic cleansing of Gaza takes place. As a people, we do not only do things because we will see the results. We do things because they are the right things to do. This is not complicated and there should be no divide in this piece. Adopting a ceasefire resolution is simply saying stop bombing and slaughtering innocent civilians. Over 10,000 children have now died. You know what the right thing to do is a matter of whether you have the courage and truly value Palestinian lives. In the words of Angela Davis, Palestine is a moral litmus test for our world. It is a moral litmus test for Marin County and for you. Break your silence condoning the genocide and bring forward a permanent... please. Good morning. My name is Sophia Satrakian. I'm a constituent of District 4 from Bolinas, California. Um, I'd like to join your other constituents in asking for a resolution of a ceasefire. Um, I speak to you today as a mother. Eric, um, our children have a, have a mutual friend together. I, I know a lot of us are parents in the room, and I, I ask uh, for the rest of my time that we have some moments of silence for the experience of the parents and the children right now in Gaza.
Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Janine Heron. I've lived in Marin for about 50 years. I, I want to thank you for being so patient over these Tuesdays, listening to the horrors that we've brought to you. It's unimaginable. It's hard to sit and listen to, and I thank you for your patience and for listening. We've talked to you from the logic point of view. We've presented facts and the 20,000 dead and 25,000 orphans. And as a neuropsychologist, I can't even bring my mind around the idea of so much trauma persisting and simmering in the minds of those children for the rest of their lives. Thank you. We're at time. Thank you, Janine. We're at time. We're at time. Janine, we're at time. We Next, please. I can do all that. Thank you. I'm another Jewish anti-Zionist Marin resident traveling here from Bolinas, California to say we want our government to stop funding these travesties in Gaza. I can't speak for all Jews and no one can or should, but I am part of a massive and growing movement of anti-Zionist Jewish people that do not feel any loyalty whatsoever to the state of Israel. To believe we should is to invoke an anti-Semitic dual loyalty myth. I do not believe that we as Jewish people need a theocratic ethnostate to make Jews in the world safer. In fact, I feel very concerned that our government tying Judaism to Zionism and this violence that waves a flag with a Jewish symbol on it actually makes Jews worldwide less safe and further complicates Palestinian Jewish generational trauma. I'm also concerned that here and in San Francisco, we're seeing historic turnout for public comment for our supervisors to call for a ceasefire now like Oakland and Richmond have done. And if our government doesn't represent its constituents, where does that leave us? I see you annoyed that people are going a second over one minute. You've reduced our time from two minutes to one minute. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, Can you imagine what it would be like to be there? Or can you not imagine that those people are human beings too? Thank you. Rodrigo. I would like a resolution, a ceasefire for the Marin Human Rights Commission. They have uh, everything turmoil, chaos, destruction, violence, non-adherence to law and order, in short, a reality, reality show or a war zone. They've shown violence to reporters. There is no freedom of speech there. It's what these individuals want, and they will intimidate you. They personally will permit violence, or they will use violence themselves. They're commissioners. 
and you're not going to do anything about it. They come from your zone, your district, Mr. Lucan. One of them said, if you could take him for his word, that the December meeting was his last meeting. But... Okay, next speaker. Thank you. I'd like to point out that I've needed to do a backup recording of this meeting because the two, last Tuesday's meeting, uh, the video wasn't working properly up on the county website. The audio was working okay as long as you downloaded the full file, and the captions were bizarre. They were they started uh, midday, so the whole if you were trying to read captions for what all these people left school and left work to speak, and it wasn't working. Uh, I covered a lot of what happened in that meeting uh, for MarinCountyConfidential.substack.com, and um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a free service, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes um, with, with these meetings, and unfortunately, when you cut down public time to one minute um, in a very petty dictatorial manner, what you're doing is restricting uh, uh, free speech. And I also want to point out, Marin IJ, where's Richard Halstead? They're not covering this, this historic moment. Um, and their, their coverage and the Pacific Sun has been extremely Thank you. We're at time, and we're going to go online for the remainder of the speakers. Uh, the last speaker online will be Jacqueline M. The first speaker is Benjamin. Please unmute. I'm with Serge Marin, showing up for racial justice. Please adopt a ceasefire resolution now. The U.S. is almost completely isolated in its support for Israel. The U.N. Security Council, of which we are a member, could not pass a ceasefire resolution because we objected to the verbiage cessation of hostilities. When the verbiage was softened to suspension of hostilities, we still objected and blocked the resolution. The General Assembly did pass a non-binding resolution calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. The U.S., of course, voted against it. I ask that we side with the overwhelming majority of the U.N. and, by extension, the world for a ceasefire. It is not controversial to state that we do not support the heinous actions of the U.S. military-industrial complex in its wholesale slaughter of the Palestinians. It's not difficult to say we do not support ethnic cleansing. We do not support genocide. We do not support killing children. Thank you for passing this resolution now. The next speaker is Seb Adi. Please unmute. Hi, my name is Seb Adi. I'm a lifelong resident of Sierra Linda, um, and I'm here to call on you to call for ceasefire. It is within your power, and it is bizarre to see unanimous support Weak, almost, almost unanimous, and this week truly unanimous support for this week after week after week, and no action. It is within your power. Please do it. Thank you. The next speaker is April Ginsberg. Please unmute. Hello, my name is April Ginsberg, and I am calling in as an anti-Zionist Jew, as a mother of, of two children in Marin and as an educator, um, I'd like to use my time to read some words from Marianne Tefucker um, and uh, about, she's a filmmaker. She says, institutions are not and have never been neutral spaces. As artists, cultural workers, and academics, 
civil workers, we can either use the spaces to speak out against the unbridled silencing we see happening in plain sight or become pawns in an erasure project. Abstract solidarity at this stage is cowardice. Being privileged enough to look away is not a reason to do so. Speaking out about Gaza, especially in the context of institutions riddled by intentional and political negligence is a bare minimum we can offer not to be complicit in the normalization of atrocities facilitated by silence. Please call for a ceasefire now. I don't know what you are waiting for. The time is now. Don't use your silence. The next speaker is Lori Dovin. Please unmute. Good morning. Um, I am part of a large and thriving Jewish community here in Marin. We have decided as a group not to speak during open comment time, take up the supervisor's precious time so that you can address important matters ranging from the unhoused to mental health. Um, I just, I wanna be quick, but point out that it was very telling last week when the last speaker called for a one state solution called Palestine. And there's a saying that if Palestine were to lay down their arms, there would be peace. But if Israel were to do so, there would be no Israel. And I will point out to everyone in this room that they're gonna next come for us in the West, women, LGBTQ communities. Israel is trying to free Palestine from Hamas so Palestinians can thrive and there can be peace. Thank you so much. The next speaker is Tatiana, please unmute. Hi there, my name is Tatiana. I live in Woodacre. Um, I am calling, asking that you place the vote for a ceasefire. Palestine wants a two-state solution. Palestinians want equal human rights to the Israeli population. They have been living under an occupation for 75 years without human rights. Um, I don't believe what is happening in Israel is about Hamas. I will read the statistics now um, as of December 17th. Over 18,800 people in Palestine, Palestinians have been killed. Over 8,000 are missing under the rubble and 1.9 million have been displaced, 83% of the population. Through over 300 medical staff have been killed. 95 journalists have been killed. 134 UN staff have been killed. Please call for a ceasefire now. Thank you. The next speaker is Jacqueline M. Please unmute. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Honorable Marin Board of Supervisors, for your time and allowing us uh, our time to speak. I would have appreciated if you had kept the two-minute time limit. Um, I'm here to echo so many other voices and request your unequivocal support of a permanent ceasefire in the ongoing genocidal attacks perpetrated by Israel against the innocent civilians. Uh, humanitarian aid workers and journalists in Palestine. The continued aggression is funded by our government, often bypassing congressional approval. Our government funding should be used to support our U.S. citizens by funding schools, housing, and health care. And further, this continued crisis is creating a breeding ground for heightened anti-Semitism and Islamophobia at home and abroad. Our humanity is at risk, and I'm asking you all to look within yourselves, find your humanity, and bring a permanent ceasefire resolution forth. Please listen to the people that have been before you today and for weeks prior. Thank you. 
Simone Peters, that was the last speaker on the list. Thank you. Okay, we're gonna close public comment now. Well, I see one more hand. Feynman, you are the last speaker. Please unmute. Thank you very much. Uh, I know that everyone has quoted uh, all kinds of statistics at you and I'm sure that you know them only too well. I think that I'm just going to quote you, uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, uh, right after 9-11 and before the Iraq debacle. And that is, she said, and I'm sure you know this too, let us not become the evil we deplore. Uh, you have a voice. We have our taxes that we pay. We really have to take a role, a responsible role in world affairs in addition to our local affairs. So please, please vote in a ceasefire resolution. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We're gonna close public comment now and move on to item number three. And we're going to skip Board of Supervisors matters unless there's anything burning. Okay, but we will go to the county executive. Good morning, supervisors. Um, just two quick items. First, um, All right, where's our deputy? Can you help escort the folks out? So I wanted to point out on CB5, the contract uh, should end on June 24, 2024, so that correction. Oh, come on. It's time to let others speak. All right, supervisors, I did wanna take some time to talk about um, a decision we've made to pause our Human Rights Commission meetings. Um, last month, your board directed staff to do a high-level review of our boards and commissions. Over the past several months, we have heard concerns about the functioning of the Human Rights Commission from members of the public, commissioners, and staff. Given the pending review and these concerns, we are pausing the commission meetings of the HRC while we engage in our review. We will work with an ad hoc uh, board subcommittee, HRC leadership, and return to your board with recommendations once we've completed our staff review. That's my report. Okay, thank you for that update. Is there any public comment on this item? You were warned in the spring that there were problems, and instead of addressing the issues, you gaslit uh, the person who was victimized. Um, that's not acceptable. And because you, you failed to take action, and you failed to take responsibility, you ended up with an incident last Tuesday where, uh, because I now have, finally have a GoPro, um, there is, very damning video of the conduct of your commissioners. 
It's not acceptable. It wasn't acceptable last spring. It's not acceptable in December. When people come to you and they tell you that there's an issue with the commission, which people did with regard to Ken Casey on the Human Rights Commission before, you need to listen. And conducting Thank you. yourself We're in this manner time. is not okay. Thank you. We're at time. Is there anyone else? We're continuing our one-minute uh, time today because we have pressing matters. Thank you. Yes, sir. Rodrigo. I want to do a continuation of what she says since she only has one minute. But you have to do something about the Human Rights Commission. You cannot function as a county or city or any law-abiding entity if you allow them to be to run it like their own personal uh, kingdom, all right? So you're gonna have to do something about it. The last commission in 2014, they again did this very same thing, and in 2015, they were disbanded because they were out of control and they had to start all over again. The only one that's existing right now is Katie, who knows exactly what happened. Shelly Scott was one of the people who resigned because of the maltreatment that she was given. And then it was reorganized, to not in a better way, again, chaotic with dictatorial people. Okay, we're gonna close public open time uh, comment in the chambers, and I'm not seeing any online, so we're gonna go ahead and move now to consent calendar A. Move, Move consent. consent. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'll second it. Okay, we have a motion by Sackett, a second by Lucan. Any public comment on this item? Uh, can you please clarify whether the um, the monies um, being distributed to Marin County Cooperation Team are on cal uh, consent calendar A? I'll have to. Well, I, I think it's appropriate for me to check. I'm concerned about the uh, the the amount given. I think there's an additional fifty thousand or twenty five thousand being given to Marin County Cooperation Team. Is that on? I mean, you don't even know your own consent calendar. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Is this on A or B? That's my questions before I speak. I, well, I think it's a little scary that you guys are you know, voting on something. No, we're having a know. very long morning, and oh, we I'm, all I'm need to get along. Sorry. I'm so, very yeah, sorry, too, Stephanie. Ava. Here's so, my question: Yeah, just is make the Marin County Cooperation Team uh, additional disbursement is that on A or is that on B? And you should know because you are the well, supervisor. Why don't you just and make your not. comment about okay. that item? Okay. Well, here goes because because if I had said it on the wrong item, you would have been angry with me. So. Uh, there are questions about um, Marin County Cooperation Team and why it was inappropriate um, for there not to be any disclosure um, with Curtis Aikens, who is receiving uh, money through the Marin County Cooperation Team. This was not disclosed when he was uh, appointed to multiple commissions, boards, working groups in the county. Uh, this includes REAP, and this includes the SHAM Civilian Oversight Working Group, uh, and uh, the Human Rights Commission. Uh, on all of these entities, uh, Mr. Aikens, um, you know, promoted law enforcement, 
uh, was not accountable to the public, and we have just learned that his son was involved as a Sonoma County Sheriff deputy in a very serious use of force incident. Thank you for time. Uh, I see no one else in the chambers. I see one hand, BCLT staff online. He's on mute. Hi, can you hear us? Yep. Hi. Um, my name is uh, Jose Leiva. I'm uh, living here in Marine. Uh, I am living here in Stinson Beach, uh, living around Bolinas for six days. It's pretty, it's pretty sad what is happening in Palestine. As a Latino American, I can relate. I can say that that genocide happened to us 500 years ago and it's still happening during these days. So it's very sad also just to see the lack of solidarity from white people, Western people, I I feel like there is a lot of Western media, there is a lot of corporate media that are not telling the truth that Israel is a colonized empire, there is like a colonized power. The same has the USA, the star, uh, living in these lands. Thank you, we're at time. We're going to bring this back now. We had a motion by uh, Sackett, a second by Lucan on consent A. All, a roll call, please. Supervisor Rice? Yes. Supervisor Lucan? Yes. Supervisor Sackett? Yes. Supervisor Moulton Peters? Yes. Okay, we'll move to item number five, consent calendar B. I'll move consent B. Second. We have a motion and a second. And I believe this is where the cooperation team uh, item is, and we heard your comment. Did you want to comment on something else, Ava? I just like to point out that once again, you're handing more money over to county probation, um, and this is an entity that continues to grow in the county along with every other law enforcement agency uh, in the county. Uh, and I just wanted to point out that you just had an awful lot of people come here and speak to you. They took time off from work, they took time off from school to talk about, in part, their concerns about how tax money was being used. And they want tax money to be used to care for people, to provide housing, to provide shelter. And instead what we're seeing is on the international level, our tax dollars are being used to fund wars and killing and destruction that make people homeless you have like 1.9 million uh, people displaced from Gaza right now, total destruction of, the, of their uh, infrastructure. And then on the local level, we're seeing more money sneak through. And that, you know, you saw that happen with Sheriff's Civilian Oversight Working Group Thank where you. they just handed off time. another $3 million to the sheriff. Uh, we had a motion by Luke and a second by Rice on consent B. Roll call, please. Supervisor Rice. Supervisor Lucan? Yes. Supervisor Sackett? Yes. Supervisor Moulton Peters? Yes. Uh, that takes us to uh, item number six. Uh, and welcome to Todd Shermer, and I'll let you tee this up. Good morning, Supervisors. Uh, my name is Todd Shermer. I'm the Director of Behavioral Health and Recovery Services. I'm here with Kat Condon, our Division Director for our Substance Use Services and also our Substance Use Administrator. 
Uh, we're here this morning to request approval of a resolution deferring the implementation of Senate Bill 43 to not later than January 1st of 2026. On October 10th of this year, Governor Newsom signed into law Senate Bill 43, which updates the state's involuntary detention and conservatorship laws for those with serious mental illnesses and serious substance use disorders, which are governed under the Lannerman Petrus Short Act, the LPS Act for short. Uh, this law is intended to go into effect on January 1st, 2024, which is 82 days after it was signed into law. The legislation includes an option for local boards of supervisors to defer implementation for up to two years. It is our recommendation that Marin County take that option and defer implementation. Prior to the passage of Senate Bill 43, involuntary detention and conservatorship was available to people who met LPS Act definition of gravely disabled, which was, quote, a condition in which a person as a result of a mental health disorder is unable to care for his or her basic needs for food, clothing, or shelter, end quote. Senate Bill 43 expands that definition of gravely disabled to include people who have a severe substance use disorder or a co-occurring mental health and severe substance use disorder, and also includes those who are unable to provide for their personal safety or necessary medical care. Involuntary treatment and conservatorship were and will continue to be used only in situations where when voluntary treatment is unsuccessful and following due process safeguards. In order to effectively implement Senate Bill 43's expanded definition of grave disability, significant effort will be needed to build and expand local treatment, workforce, delivery networks, housing capacity, and treatment settings for involuntary substance use treatment to meet the needs of the new populations encompassed by this legislation. The breadth of that effort will require collaboration with numerous internal and external stakeholders, including county departments, local hospitals, family and client advocacy groups, law enforcement, housing providers, and patients' rights advocates. HHS has already begun the process of collaborating with these local stakeholders on Senate Bill 43's implementation, including all three local hospitals and our local chapter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. We plan to convene work groups beginning in the next few months to initiate this work. The delay in implementation to not later than January 1st, 2026 will allow the county to develop policies, procedures, and criteria to address the new categories of eligibility for involuntary treatment, including developing criteria for determination of a severe substance use disorder, designating individuals to perform grave disability assessments, developing new standards on how to determine when to end involuntary substance use treatment when no such standards currently exist, developing policies on how to assess whether someone is unable to survive safely in the community without necessary medical care, hiring and training staff to perform new assessments, and working with existing and new service providers to develop capacity for involuntary substance use treatment. Currently, there are very few treatment settings that have the capacity to serve individuals with complex co-occurring medical, substance use disorder, and mental health treatment needs. All of these factors will need to be addressed in order to successfully implement Senate Bill 43. All counties must either implement Senate Bill 43 on January 1st of 2024 or adopt a board-approved res resolution to delay no later than January 1st of 2026. The County Behavioral Health Directors Association has been tracking county processes 
And as of today, over 40 county boards of supervisors have approved deferrals of Senate Bill 43, and all of the remaining counties except for two report they are working towards deferral. Uh, we are aware of Governor Newsom's comments last Friday expressing concern that counties are requesting delays in implementation. We are grateful to the governor and the legislature for creating additional tools to help us provide treatment to people with serious mental illness and substance use disorders and want to affirm our commitment to implementing this law in a thoughtful, strategic manner. However, the 82 days between signing of the law and implementation date of January 1st of 2024 was simply not enough time given the scope and magnitude of the changes required, especially since this legislation contained no funding or infrastructure resources necessary to ensure its success. Thank you for considering this request to move forward with this resolution. Uh, Kat and I are available to answer any of your questions now. Todd, are there any questions? No, not seeing any. Uh, then uh, we'll uh, go to public open time on this, and there is no one in the chambers. Uh, let's look online, and then we'll have comments. There are no speakers in the queue. Thank you. We'll bring it back. Supervisor Rice, did you want to say yeah, something? Yeah, thank you very much, Todd. Uh, thank you, and Kat, um, for bringing this forward. Um, for all the reasons you stated, we, we, um, I am in total support of um, us adopting this um, res resolution, which will allow for a delay in implementation. Um, I just think it's um, the, and I, I'm I am the, the two areas that were of most concern to me with this bill is in terms of really um, understanding and building our, our capacity and a process for implementation of the of the bill in terms of services, housing, everything that you mentioned, but also really importantly collaboration and um, some collective thinking and work with other stakeholders who um, who will have an interest in what this program looks like. So I'm happy to move the resolution. All right. Second. All right, thank we. We have a motion by Rice, a second by Lucan. Roll call, please. Supervisor Milton Peters, may I just make a couple comments, please? That's okay. <laughs> thank you very much, Kat and Todd, for bringing this forward. Um, love the unfunded mandates on a short time frame. I, you know, I think in having NAMI support for this um, delay is important, and um, but I think that this bill also gave some family members hope that there would be um, solutions available. And so I appreciate that you're gonna bring people together in the next couple months. Hopefully by the time we're ready to implement, 30 Joseph Court is closer to fruition. Um, but I, you know, I, I absolutely think this is the right step to delay and we all, you know, know, we all know that there's people in the community that we hope this will help and um, time is not on their side, so. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Sackett. If my niece share a roll call vote, please. Supervisor Rice? Yes. Supervisor Lucan? Yes. Supervisor Sackett? Yes. Supervisor Rodoni? Supervisor Molson Peters? Okay, we'll move on now to item number seven. This is CDA's request to adopt an ordinance with changes to the ADU development code and we'll have the staff give a report and tell us what we're doing. Board of Supervisors, I'm, my name is Michelle Levinson. I'm with the uh, current planning department and we are going to present 
the accessory dwelling unit code amendment. Next slide, please. I'm gonna go through this fast and try to make up um, for some time here. So the goal with all of our development code amendments is to follow the case principle of code, which is clear, affordable, simple, and enforceable code. Next slide, please. Um, how it all began <laughs> was at the beginning of this year as part of the planning department's biennial development code amendments. Staff, as a part of that, undertook amendments to our ADU provisions, um, which came into effect at the beginning of the year through three different um, state bills. We held a series of planning commission meetings between March and May, and on May 8th, the planning commission recommended code amendments to the BOS, which included ADU code amendments. Next slide, please. Um, on July 8th, um, right about the time we were getting ready to bring this development code package to your board, we received an audit by HCD of the county's 2021 code um, ADU amendments. And that is really a, a statewide effort, not just targeted at Marin County, <laughs> but a statewide effort to ensure compliance uh, with state ADU provisions. On um, October 12th, after staff had time to review, digest, and um, revise the code amendments to reflect HCD's comments, we brought those code amendments to the planning commissioners um, on October 12th, at which time they recommended the um, ADU-related code amendments to your board. Next slide, please. So um, as a result of the amendments, um, really the ADU code very, very closely resembles that which is just required by the state. So we are really just carrying forward and codifying state requirements with this effort. And you may be curious what's changing. Um, so um, we're consolidating and organizing our categories of ADUs and we're making it, it clear which ones are those that are statewide exempted ADUs and which ones require a ministerial ADU permit. Um, in response to those um, three state laws that became effective at the beginning of the year, um, we're expanding category ones to include detached and attached units. Um, a big change um, that was um, identified by HCD as non-compliance was that um, two category one ADUs are allowed on single family um, zone lots. Um, also HCD um, required us to remove those sensitive habitat area and very high fire hazard severity zone standards for ADUs. Next slide please. Um, in addition, height limits for detached ADUs goes up by two feet um, and in addition, and to have more um, consistency with the rental terms that existed in our code um, for ADUs, which prohibited short-term rental of ADUs, the Planning Commission um, um, included a change which restricted the rental limits to JDUs to 30 days. And um, to note, the state law um, requires that rental prohibition, prohibition that short-term rental prohibition, to category one ADUs um, only, and our code applies those um, to our both types of ADUs. Uh, the planning commission considered um, modifying this and applying it just to our to the category ones, which is really um, what the state law requires, and they decided. Um, 
to actually have the prohibition be for both types of ADUs. That's in the code before you today. Um, in addition, um, we, as directed by HCD, eliminated a discretionary permitting pathways for ADUs. So you basically fit into those two categories, and that's how you um, can move forward with an ADU. And then lastly, um, staff propo is proposing an amendment to reconcile the JDU kitchen at F uh, definition so it is more consistent um, with the state law definition. So that concludes <laughs> my presentation. I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. Uh, any questions, supervisors? I have one more just really quick. Could, could you just define category one and category two ADUs? Category one ADUs are those that are considered the statewide exempted ADUs. So they're just allowed outright by state law. So that's conversion of existing building area, or you could construct a new ADU as long as it doesn't exceed 800 square feet and maintain certain setbacks and height. And then uh, the other <laughs> units fall into that category two. Mm -hmm. um, those are generally bigger they exceed the 800 square feet, mm -hmm. but they have to comply with zoning standards for that particular area, and they require a ministerial ADU permit. Perfect, thank you. Sure. Oh, Eric, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and just to follow up on that, so you got your category one ADUs, that's very clear, that's defined by state law. Category two is kind of, the, kind of everything else, right? So even maybe your historical ADUs um, that are recorded as a secondary unit or a cottage on a property, would that fall under a category, would that be viewed as a category two? Those would fall under um, the category one because they would be existing building area. Uh, well, what if they're already on, on record as a secondary unit on a property? So those would just be a, a kind of a historical ADU, a pre-existing pre ADU, ADU that came on before before this ordinance. Gotcha. Okay, thank you. Can I have a follow-up to that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, follow-up. Important, yeah, guys, and I'm sorry. Yeah. We don't have to be so time-crunched on this. <laughs> so just on, on that, on the um, existing historic ADU, that's, does the, does the short-term rental prohibition exist for those grandfathered in, as it were, ADUs? It's the short-term rental prohibition would be ADUs that are created under the ordinance, and it's my understanding that that prohibition, that short-term rental prohibition, came about in 2021. That's correct. So uh, in uh, the cases of ADUs that were created before that state law, um, those could continue to be uh, rented on a short-term basis as legal non-conforming, as a legal non-conforming use. And then one other question. In terms of our um, additional programs or incentive programs that the county may adopt, um, may go beyond this ordinance in terms of incentivizing development and deed restriction and uses, um, sort of that would be beyond this. Uh, that's correct. So the state um, does not require any sort of owner occupancy for an ADU. That's required for a JDU. Um, I guess I'm not clear. Well, I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about programs that we may adopt or have in place now that incentivize the development of ADUs, and specifically if they are um, associated with a deed restriction that requires them to be rented out at affordable levels. 
those are add-ons to, I mean, not add-ons, those are s separate programs and distinct from the construction and what's allowed in terms of aligning with state law and the creation of ADUs and JADOs in the category one and category two. Correct. I'm just clarifying. Correct. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you. I'm going to follow that line of questioning a little bit, and and so just to, so that I understand the rental terms and restrictions. So, you, it's rent for 30 days or longer. Another category is short-term rental, or there's the option of not renting at all, as far as our code allows. Is that right? What's my, I. Yes, that's correct. Okay, and and the change here is that if you're in category one, you can't, you have to rent for 30 days or longer. Um, the, the only if you're renting, it has to be for 30 days or longer? No, the only, so the existing code doesn't allow short-term rentals of ADUs. What the, the change is, is that uh, it, that extends that to JDUs. In that discussion, the Planning Commission did consider whether or not to allow uh, short-term rentals of Category 2 ADUs. They decided against it, and they left the code the way that it is now. Okay. So we're just adding JDUs to the Category 1? That's the Planning Commission's recommendation, yes. Okay. And then my second question, it was buried a bit in public comment this morning, but a local resident, longtime engaged person who's, who's also a real estate agent um, asked that we have additional time in order to consider this. My question to you all is, was there outreach at all about this um, change to Marin Association of Realtors or, or what kind of public outreach was done besides uh, this agenda? You can speak to that. Well, this is this has actually been through multiple public hearings, uh, and our outreach does include interested parties. Um, so remember that ADUs were first brought up in the previous set of code amendments, and then almost got to your board, and then we pulled it back after getting the comments from HCD. So then it went through another hearing at the Planning Commission. So. There's been a, a lot of public um, input in the process, and the Planning Commission went back and forth quite a bit. So I feel like this has been publicly vetted quite well. Did, does the Planning Commission notice, that, do those go out to our interested parties, such as realtors or real estate associations? Uh, well, so most of our public noticing is actually electronic. So we have people who are on you know, lists that we provide uh, for any kind of long-range planning initiative such as this, especially code amendments. So my assumption is yes, but I couldn't necessarily point out a, a specific hard copy notice. We, we put those in the newspaper, but that's, we don't, hard copy notices are increasingly not as important, yeah. Okay, thank you. There also has been a website maintained for the development code amendments, which was then revised just to be ADU specific since March. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
But. You know, I think we needed more of a staff report on this, honestly, for all of this and the texture. And it's great the Planning Commission went through it, but we don't have the benefit of really knowing what they did or why. Uh, so I, I just feel the need to say that. And now, Eric, you can go back and ask clarifying questions. But I'm going to ask for a follow-up memo to the Board of Soups that answers these questions that have come up today. Okay. I just had some some comments and actually just one little suggested change if we're moving forward, but maybe after public comment. Yep. Comment, Raleigh. <coughs> Raleigh Katzman, Association of Public Employees. Quick question: Does this short-term limit rental limit apply to all ADUs or only those built 2021 or later? Same question about the J ADU. Thanks. We'll get that answered. Uh, there's comment, Clayton Smith online. Please I'd like to say the public awareness of the potential impacts of this change on property entitlements in Marin County is virtually nil to dispute the idea that the people of this county have any awareness of what is happening here. I believe that it's kind of amazing to see that this is actually coming forward uh, right here in the middle of the holidays, right after you celebrate that 50-year uh, uh, vision of Marin, to see that, yes, we may have preserved the uh, land in West Marin from uh, being overbuilt, but we are, through this process, uh, potentially turning the uh, urban corridor of Marin along Highway 101 and all these little communities into, into shanty towns in the future, given the impacts this could have of the destruction of our communities. And to only be able to talk about this for one minute is truly disgusting. You need to improve yourself on this. Thank you. There are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, we're gonna bring it back for board comments. Eric, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I, um, I appreciate the comments at the beginning about how our, our code needs to be clear. And, and I think with regards to uh, specifically this rented more than 30 days, I think it, we create maybe some ambiguity here, especially for the grandfathered ADUs and the grandfathered JDUs. Um, I think the, the easiest way to clean this up would be um, under section 2232.120, that opening paragraph, the last sentence says, uh, accessory dwelling units uh, can be rent uh, can be rented, but only for terms longer than 30 consecutive days. That is state law for state exempted ADUs. Um, so I think we could, if, if we remove that, the, the state law still applies. Uh, it potentially does open up the door for short-term rentals on these historical ADUs. Um, but I think that's more properly addressed when we get to our short-term rental ordinance. Um, I think we're probably cleaner keeping ADU regulations within the ADU ordinance, short-term rental regulations within the short-term um, rental ordinance. Um, and it, I think it's just cleaner um, that way. So that would be my suggestion that we actually would remove that sentence since it already applies to all category one by state law. Um, and then if, if, if there's support for that, then we probably would want to remove under the JDU section, um, I think it is item G as well, that kind of restates what the state law already is. So that, that would be my, my suggestion. And I think it removes the ambiguity here. And then if we want to go further, we can, that could be a short-term rental discussion. Supervisor Lucan, can you just reiterate where that change would be? 
It's yeah. a little so behind. It would be on uh, section tw uh, 22-32-120, and it would be striking the very last sentence, because as it's written now, that would apply to category one and category two, and potentially grandfathered units that have been you know, on the books for some time, um, which I, I don't know if individuals that happen to have those maybe are quite aware of this provision. And I guess uh, just to sort of, and I'll be interested to hear your responses. This doesn't, I understand what you're getting at in terms of um, clar clarity in addressing short-term rentals under our short-term rental ordinances that sort of stand alone separate. So another way to achieve this and be consistent with state laws would be to say category one ADUs. Yep, we, we could put, I thought about putting that language in there, but because it's already state law, it's, it's, already, it's already in law. Okay, and then I guess my other question, and this would be to you, Eric, uh, like, um, and I, we are gonna be taking up the short-term rental ordinance, at least for the coastal zone in the next month or so, uh, and then potentially that would expand to taking up short-term rental ordinance for broad, or more broadly in unincorporated Marin, am I correct there? Correct. And there's nothing that would preclude the, the, if the action, the striking of the language that Supervisor Lucan is suggesting would not preclude from some similar 30-day limit being a part of that short-term rental ordinance that we adopt at a future date. Yeah, that's correct. You can, you can have it in the short-term rental ordinance. Uh, I appreciate your comment about the fact that it's still in it's already in state law. In fact, the whole thing is already in state law. Um, one of the reasons that we try to also codify it is for clarity's sake, because people are used to looking at our code to find out what the regulations are rather than having to go back and forth with state law. This is probably the only part of the code amendments or the code related to ADUs that are not specifically required by state law. Um, we've really pulled back from some of the um, things that we had in the previous uh, code sections because of the audit by HCD. And so now it's just very close to in line with what state law already requires that we do. And I want to put that, say that again. We're already implementing state law regardless of whether this is in the code. It just clarifies it to have it there. And except for the one item with regards to category two ADUs falling under that 30. That's already in our current code. Okay, but that's the part that's distinct from state law requirements. Yeah, the only part that's different is in our new one is the fact that it applies to JDUs. But in terms of the differences between state law requirements and what is in the code, that you know category two requirement that you can't rent it for longer than 30 days. That's, I think that's basically the only difference. Uh, okay, I'm gonna make a few comments. Uh, I understand we're aligning our codes with the state codes and that we must do that. But the board needs more detail going forward in what these implications are. We really do. We can't just take this at face value because we get questions about this stuff. Um, I, I think 
For my own part, uh, I'm going to agree, you know, approve this, but I'm going to tell you that I'd like CDA to work with other counties on the sensitive habitat and high fire severity zones being removed. I think that's wrong, and I think we need to find other counties to coalition with to get that changed. So I'm requesting that. I'm also going to request a follow-up memo that clarifies the questions that were asked because we need that. And, um, you know, I think in, in the future it might be worth adding to our staff reports a little bit about the stakeholder research, outreach that's been done because I know it's substantial, but we're not capturing it. You can look at the city of Palo Alto. They actually have a stakeholder outreach component in their staff reports that, that documents it. So I think that's helpful. Um, and finally, when there are issues that come to us uh, like this, it wouldn't hurt to have a, the planning commission chair be available also to just characterize what they did. So I just offer that as a suggestion for the future when it fits. Um, so with that, uh, and we, there was a request for an amendment for language. Uh, and so I'm going to ask Eric if you'd like to make a motion with that, and then we'll see where we go. Yeah, well, I'll turn to my colleagues. I'm, I'm also open if, if we feel put, we'd feel better about leaving it in there as is, but saying it only applies to Category 1 and, and codifying it, as was mentioned. I'm open to that. It accomplishes the same thing. Um, so maybe I'll just look to my colleagues, see if, if there's general support for this, and then I would turn to staff to figure out what they think would be the best way to word it. I would, I would, I think that's a good idea, and I also think if it's not already included in the definitions, there should be a definition for category one and category two, because that terminology yeah. um, is right. used n numerous times. Uh, if I could, um, the simplest way perhaps is right now it says, except uh, as provided under state law, an accessory dwelling unit may be rented but shall be not be sold or otherwise conveyed, et cetera, et cetera. We could just simply change that to say, except as provided under state law, a Category 1 ADU uh, may be rented and but shall not be sold or otherwise conveyed, et cetera. And rented for no longer than 30 consecutive days. That's at the end of that sentence, yes. Uh, can, you, can you read that back one more time? And so right now it's... It, uh, what section are you reading 22, from? 32. Twenty-two thirty-two one twenty, yeah, 3-101, uh, second sentence down, it says, Accepted, except as provided under state law, an accessory dwelling unit may be rented but shall not be sold, etc. This change you're considering would be, except as provided under state law, a Category 1 ADU accessory dwelling unit may be rented but shall not be sold. Uh, well, I'm, I'm looking at... We're looking at 22-32-120. Yeah, that's what I'm reading. From the red line version? Yeah. In the staff report, the, the staff reports, it ends with accessory dwelling units can be rented, but only for terms longer than 30 consecutive days. That's the end of the sentence. Yeah, I'll read the entire sentence. <laughs> Except as provided under state law, comma, an accessory dwelling unit may be rented, but shall not be sold or otherwise conveyed separately from the primary dwelling unit, comma, Accessory dwelling units can be rented, but only for terms longer than 30 consecutive days. 
Oh, I'm sorry, it's a period, not a comma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I was... Yeah, so, yeah, that, that whole uh, last sentence, what, what would you suggest changing to that whole last... Would it yeah, just be? I have a suggestion. So I would just start it off by saying Category 1 statewide exemption ADUs can only be rented for terms longer than 30 consecutive days. That's fine with me. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we can remove the requirement from the JDU, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. as well. Yes. That would just be a strike there. Yep. And then, Supervisor Rice, you requested that in the ADU definition, we carry forward a description of what's a category one and a category two. Yeah. For instance, at the top of that paragraph, 22.32.120, there's a reference to there are two categories of accessory dwelling units. So it behooves us to have a definition of the, each category, I would say. We can do Clarity's that. Clarity's purpose. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. Okay. So with that, I will make the motion that uh, we move forward with this with the changes just suggested by Supervisor Rice, the change uh, that was suggested uh, to add the Category 1 exempt ADUs to that last sentence and then also strike, uh, I think it was uh, sub-item G under the JDU language. Let me make sure it's the right one. Sorry, bear with me while I find that. Was it item G, Jeremy? I'm trying to find it. Here. I think it was. Yes, whatever the right letter is, the, the section about the 30 days. Under it's item G, G. yes. All yeah. right. That's under 2232.125. Correct. Definitions for Category 1 and Category 2 will um, reflect the standards that are in A and B. Um, of 22-32-120, which lay out what those are. Okay, great. Okay, so we uh, have a language, language seems acceptable, motion by we Lucan. Did you? Counsel. Yeah, if we oh, can have. Sorry. I'm sorry, thank you. Brandon Halter, Deputy County Counsel. Um, I, I appreciate the clarity on the proposed change to 22.120. Point I think that's very clear. Um, in terms of the proposed addition related to definitions, though, I, I'm, I'm not understanding the specific definitional language that would be included by staff. I, I appreciate the general contours, but if we're going to do that here from the dais, we need really to be very tight on, on what the language is going to be. Yes, say. so what I would suggest is that we have a definition for cate Category 1 statewide exemption that says a Category 1 statewide exemption ADU is an ADU that complies with 2232-120A, and the definition for uh, a Category 2 permit ADU is a uh, ADU that complies with 120, I'm sorry, with 2232-120 Category uh, uh, B, because that is these standards define what it is. But at least you can cross-index it. That works for me. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's, we have definitions. Thank you for language changes. Did, Katie, did you second this? I, I'd be happy to second, but just add that this, this minor change that we're making in terms of the Category 2 ADUs or, um, and, and rental terms um, in no way indicates where we might land in terms of 
short-term rental regulation for those types of dwelling units when we take up short-term rental ordinances in the future. Yes, thank and, you. And I would concur with that. My, my comments for this is really more around a, a, a fairness um, piece for individuals that have had these on the books for many years and maybe didn't know that this provision was in here. They're going to find out about it when we get to short-term rentals, um, and I think that's a better kind of public um, uh, opportunity for people to be aware of whether they can or cannot do it as opposed to something here in our development code. Um, and at some point, maybe we do draw the line in the sand and say, okay, any units built after this date, or do we want to scoop up all of the historical ones as well? I just want to make sure we do a lot of public outreach so people know what to expect. I'm going to call for a roll call vote with the amendment, the motion, and the second that we have. Supervisor Rice? Yes. Supervisor Lucan? Yes. Supervisor Sackett? Yes. Supervisor Rodoni? Supervisor Moulton-Peters? Yes. Okay. That carries. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Okay, guys. We're forging along with appointments. We're going to have to get through our next item beyond that. So disaster... Citizen Court, and we're going to take, I'm sorry, public comment on all three appointments right now. If there's any public comment on any of the appointments, now is the time. Okay, we're closing public comment. We'll move on now to Disaster Citizen Court Council. I'll move the appointment of Catherine Way. Um, Pursuant to the appointment letter from Marin County Council of Mayors Second. and Council members. Uh, okay. Uh, then we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 <laughs> Supervisor Rice? Yes. Supervisor Lucas? Yes. Supervisor Sackett? Yes. Supervisor Rodoni? Supervisor Moulton Peters? Yes. Okay, then I'm going to move, move the reappointment of Gary Lyon representing the Marin Economic Forum one more time. Is there a second? Second. Supervisor Rice? Yes. Supervisor Lucan? Yes. Supervisor Sackett? Yes. Supervisor Rodoni? Absent. Supervisor Moulton Peters? Yes. Okay, Golden Gate Bridge District. This is one vacancy due to the term expiration of Holly Thier, who represents MCCMC on the Golden Gate Bridge District Board. Is there a motion to reappoint? Moved. Second? I guess that was me. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Roll call, please. Supervisor Rice? Yes. Supervisor Lucan? Yes. Supervisor Sackett? Yes. Supervisor Rodoni? Supervisor Moulton Peters? Yes. Law Library, Board of Trustees. I'll move the appointment of Scott McDonald. Second. We have a motion and a second. Roll call, please. Supervisor Rice? Yes. Supervisor Lucan? Yes. Supervisor Sackett? Yes. Supervisor Rodoni? Supervisor Moulton Peters? Yes. Okay, thank you. We are now recessing as the Marin County Board of Supervisors and reconvening as the successor agency to the dissolved Marin County Redevelopment Agency. Lily, hello. Good morning. I 
we have approval of the now going into closed session. Is there any public comment on closed session? Okay, I'm not seeing any in the chambers. Is there any online? President Mon Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Very good. We will move to closed session. <laughs>